0: Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a game day edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Huge tilt tonight for the Winnipeg Jets as they look back to get into the win column against the Vancouver Canucks. Andrew Patterson with you, along with the CTO Michael Remus and. Uh, We've got a great show. Um, first off, thanks to everyone that commented or got back to us. Amazing response on yesterday's program. Of course, what a pleasure it was to have the NFL legend, Hall of Famer Jerry Rice, on the program. If you missed it, make sure to go back to yesterday's show and check it out. Um, and of course, Steve Koulias, who was uh, who was unreal. Uh, and you know, I think he kind of echoed a lot of the feelings of a Winnipeg, Jet, where Winnipeg Jet fans were yesterday. Uh, coming off of Tuesday night's loss to the Florida Panthers. But on to the next one, a huge game for the Winnipeg Jets. We'll talk about it with Mike McIntyre, who will set things up. And um, one of our favorites to uh, break down the X's and O's, Mike Kelly of NHL Network will join us, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on where the Jets are right now, what they've been doing well, what they haven't been, and uh, how this gets turned around. Um, And we're not talking about the trade deadline being sellers, which unfortunately seems to be quite a possibility right now with where the Jets sit in the standings. Um, It's been an amazing run for our Canadians at the Australian Open. We'll uh, discuss Denis Shapovalov and uh, Felix Auger seems uh, bowing out in those epic five-set matches at the Australian Open um, with a little bit more from the uh, first Grand Slam of the year with our good friend John Horn. And with Championship Weekend just uh, around the corner You know how much I love talking with my guy, Andy McNamara. Andy Mack will join us before the end of the show. We'll get his thoughts on both the games on the weekend, as well as some uh, pretty significant news in the National Football League today, including Ben Roethlisberger's retirement and uh, some more clarity as to some of the coaching vacancies In the NFL Uh, as we get going, a big shout out and thank you to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, not Auto Corp. Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Let's get to it. Welcome Michael Remus in here before Mike Kelly and Mike McIntyre join us over the course of the next hour
2: to break down Jets, Canucks, and more from the National Hockey League. Remo, what's going on? Just getting settled in here. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, I think this is the night. I think this is the night the win streak has snapped. The odds would say so, Jets favorite. So uh, and uh, yeah, looking in, looking forward to seeing tonight's game. I'm feeling good. Full night of uh, hockey. So yeah, let's let's go. Well, I'm feeling I'm feeling good, ready for a win. night. Not just hockey
1: tonight. We've got a little T N F, if you will, Thursday night footy. Uh, Canada Honduras. The quest to make the World Cup continues. Reem. and. I know we touched on this a little bit yesterday, but um, three more matches in this part of the World Cup qualifying in Honduras, home against the United States in Hamilton, and then in El Salvador. And um, I'll tell you what, I think there's going to be a lot of people working two TVs tonight or heading out to Boston Pizza or somewhere where they can watch both because um, you really felt the surging support and excitement for Canada's men's national team during the last round of World Cup qualifiers with what our team's been able to do. There is no Alfonso Davies, but they're getting a chance to play on the road against two of the teams towards the bottom of the table. And of course, that huge matchup against the United States. We're halfway there. They're in great position, but a lot of work to be done. And uh, as much as I know a lot of people are going to be glued to this Jets-Canucks game, I know many of you out there are going to be ready to see what our Canadian men can do, hopefully packing up a big three points on the
2: road in Honduras, where frankly, we owe them one. Yeah, I I agree with you that there has I mean Canada soccer has been incredible to watch. Uh, we all remember the other one with the uh, what snow going in the snow for the celebrations. What how's the snow piles looking there in Ontario? Uh, suitable for jumping into after a goal? Have they like put a designated area on there? So uh, they did
1: get a lot of snow in the past week, so maybe they true. actually do have some around there. It would be uh, what an epic celebration that was uh in one of those big wins last time. Anyways, I've really really fired up for uh, for the game tonight. Both of them, I will be doing the two TV operation and tomorrow we'll be able to discuss what happened between Canada and Honduras. Maybe we'll get a guest to talk about the Canada uh, USA game on the weekend, which unfortunately, uh I believe is kicking off right around the time the AFC Championship uh, happens. So that one might be PVR'd for yours truly. Uh, that being said, great times for Canadian soccer, and uh, make sure to check that out tonight. Uh, but the main story here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Remus is the Winnipeg Jets um, back at home. A, I mean, to say this is a huge game is an understatement. And I realize we're not quite officially halfway through the 82 game season. Uh, and to say a game is a must win. Um, is, you know, mathematically is just simply not true. But I'll tell you what, the way that road trip went, the way the game went against Florida went, uh, I mean, we kind of laid it out yesterday. This team doesn't just need a win. It needs a bunch of them, but it starts with one. And considering where Vancouver is sort of back from the dead after a big boost with their new head coach, Bruce Boudreaux, um, I'd say this is an important of two points for the Winnipeg Jets, as we've seen in a long time. And uh, I would say imperative for them to get it. And then, hopefully get a little bit of momentum going into a huge game Saturday afternoon against the St. Louis blues who have been having a hell of a season of their own.
2: Yeah. Well, sorry. The game's in Honduras. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Honduras, was... tonight, Hondura, yeah. Honduras
1: tonight. It's in Honduras
2: tonight. It's in
1: Hamilton on Saturday or sorry, Sunday against USA okay. and then on the road in El Salvador. So it's sort of a little back. and yeah, forth That Yeah,
2: that. that was my, that was my mistake. I, I was getting ahead of myself here talking about uh, jumping in the snow piles. <laughs> That'll be after the USA. Hopefully that's against the, uh, against the Yanks. Yeah. Which, uh, oh. ah, it's going to be a tough test with Odel Alfonso,
1: but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But, but anyways, anyways, back to the Jets. Yeah, back... mean,
2: this is monster game, period. Monster game. We got to snap the snap. Oh, I haven't put myself on screen. Monster game. Got to snap this win streak. Uh, another player. Is this a record for Je- uh, like NHL debuts in a season? Uh, Johnny Kovacevic, former in a Jets. season?
1: How about in a month?
2: <laughs> <Like, laughs> Chisel kovacevic uh who else are we missing Dylan Sandberg. dylan Sandberg. yeah that's just on defense uh defense alone so uh, uh reichel yeah, as Christian well
1: reichel got in before earlier this month so. yeah january it's been a lot of new faces in and around and i guess you know what another new one today in johnny kovacevic is going to get his opportunity mm. to play for the first time in the big leagues and it's interesting Billy Hanel is staying in the way things are looking out and this is from uh, mitchell clinton Uh, over from the uh, Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, with their game setup. We'll talk more about it with Mike uh, a little later on. Uh, The way things at least were working in practice yesterday going into the game, there wasn't a lot going on at the morning skate today. Uh, Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt probably will take uh, up a lot of ice time. And right now it looked like, and it sounds like Dave Lowry is going to start Nate Beaulieu with Neil Pionk. And then uh, the two youngsters, Vili Hanala and Johnny Kovacevic. Kovacevic, who is making his NHL debut tonight playing together. And, uh, as Dave Lowry said, I mean, they will start that way. They may not necessarily finish that way, but I'll tell you what, I think that's a good thing. These guys have played together quite a bit in the American hockey league. And, you know, we certainly saw how disjointed the hanel a pairing was against the Florida Panthers. I don't think that's an option for them. So, uh, I kind of like the way things are starting right, right now. And, you know, we'll see if, you know, maybe one of the, uh, you know, handler or Kova Savage get an opportunity to play up with Pionk at times, if that's the way the coach feels or whether they, uh, you know, rely on Nate you to play some big minutes, bigger than he would normally. Um, but hey, that's what happens when half your defense core is out right now and you got some young players going in. But uh, listen, I think it's really exciting for the organization to see what Johnny Kovacevic can do. And uh, I'm, I'm quite happy that Billy Hanel is going to get another opportunity to show what he can do, because... Uh I think we all agree that as much potential as Billy had, it was a very very tough game on Tuesday for number fourteen,
2: yeah, apparently I've said uh snap the win streak like twice so far, but snap the losing streak here for <laughs> for the jets, uh just coming up to short the last couple, and a, yeah a couple notable things you said Kovašević getting in looking forward to seeing him, Billy Haila now with full day of preparation we're gonna we're gonna put the excuse one on for him yesterday, um you know, finding out an hour before you're in uh I think we'll see you know better looking uh Billy than we did last game uh, as far as the Jets Cole Perfetti I mean this is the game where he plays ELC kicks in I mean he's I think it's pretty clear he's fitting right in he's playing in the top six no reason uh unless you like hate him you know and don't you want to put him down to the moose but yeah he's easier to stay um so I'm looking forward to you know more of that line he did get some power play time last game as well. So. We'll see that interesting story for Vancouver. Um, you might be wondering who who's this Spencer uh, Martin in goal. I mean, they're going there. You know, we've seen the Jets go down the depth chart and defense. I mean, Leon Gavanke now on the taxi squad, uh, but this Spencer Martin, 2013 third round pick. Uh, he's played well us in two games this year. 186 goals against, nine five two save percentage. Um, I think I think I may have like. Bet against him earlier, just because like who's this guy going in net for Vancouver? But he's he's played well, and of course Vancouver with Bruce Boudreau behind the bench, uh, they've looked good. So uh, Jets, Vancouver, and you'd like to think this is a game the Jets should win. They are home and they have favored. to win.
1: They have to they've win been, this game
2: tonight. <laughs> you'd have to think that the last couple of games against top teams like Van, not Vancouver, like uh, Pittsburgh, Florida, Boston. Now they're ready. They're ripened. They're warmed up. Give them a team that's lower or the same position as them in the standings. Um, and they'll be ready. They'll be ready tonight. So, well, yeah. I'll say this about
1: Spencer. Um, I think this is going to be midnight for the Cinderella story this evening. Courtesy of Kyle Connor. Um, maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois. Hopefully Mark Shifley. A big game from Mark Shifley would be huge for the Winnipeg Jets right now. I think I like the way Wheeler's been playing. And listen, Shifley's had some moments. Um, but I think a lot of what we're hearing and and sometimes, you know, with players, you just need a few good things to happen to get them going on a, on a bit of a hot streak. And I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, if the Jets need Mark Shifley playing his best right now. And um, certainly I think it's been a positive to get Blake Wheeler back in the lineup. Uh, but those would be the guys we'll be looking at tonight. But, you know, the Canucks had a 2 nothing lead against the Oilers a couple nights ago, Reem. Um, we're cruising. And, um, you know, the young goaltender for the Canucks let in a bad goal. Uh, And that allowed Edmonton back into the game. And uh, of course they scored another Connor McDavid scored an OT and the Oilers ended up squeezing out two points against the Vancouver Canucks. And the Canucks only had one to show for it. Uh, Gentlemen's agreement in the last four minutes of that game. If you watched it, no one was playing to win. They were just playing to guarantee their point and see if they could squeeze two out. Uh, But You know this is certainly not an established veteran national hockey league goaltender i think it's a big opportunity for the winnipeg jets and they're going to need to seize it and take advantage of it and play this game with the urgency that Connor hellebuck spoke about coming out of the road trip uh because we know there's not a lot of time to get things going in the right direction and i'll sort of echo what steve Coolia said i mean if they don't right now we're basically going to be talking about a four or five team race for the second wild card spot. And uh, certainly I know that that wasn't the plan for anybody involved with the Winnipeg Jets when we dropped the puck on this NHL season.
2: Yeah, I thought you were going to say it wasn't the plan when we raised the banner for off-season champions back in the summer. <laughs> Could, Could be, be on, on us. Could uh, be on us. I mean, Murat said it yesterday, and I trust uh, Dom from The Athletic. He's pretty good with the numbers. He has the Jets' 80% chance to miss the playoffs. Um, doing some quick math, that's 20%. To make it. And that is far lower. I thought it was pretty much a lock heading in. We looked at all the projections. I mean, they were they were up there as good as St. Louis, Minnesota. I'd say better than Dallas. Well, when you look at points percentage, Jets much lower than all of those teams. They're currently sitting in sixth. And I know they've played less games than a couple, but it's accurate. I mean, Colorado was running away with it. 17 straight wins at home, uh, getting the W last night i mean they're absolutely elite i think nashville has definitely surprised i mean the jets need to find a way to pick it up uh starts starts tonight when i saw it in chat win streak starts tonight against vancouver and i don't even remember the last time we saw vancouver was a month ago the game that uh blake wheeler got injured and i would have never thought he would be back then to see uh, these two teams play again uh what six weeks later very incredible He goes, hey, DQ, Nick's in the chat. What up, Nick? Might be a good night for some of those uh, buffalo chicken fingers to go alongside with the
1: game. Maybe mix in a blizzard as well. Um, Let's talk about Kovacevic, though. Uh, And I know you've got this clip, Um, so let's play this. If you didn't hear, Johnny Kovacevic spoke this morning about, um, you know, having the opportunity to play for the first time in the National Hockey League, something he's been working for a long time. And, you know, like many players that get to the National Hockey League, a very different route. Um, you know, not a first-rounder, not even drafted the first time. And uh, anyways, this is how the uh, young Jet defenseman who will be making his debut tonight, what he had to say about the uh, the long journey to the National Hockey League. Just growing up, minor hockey,
0: I mean, getting cut, not being able to make AAA teams, uh, trying to make the OHL, not being able to do that, end up going college and don't get drafted into the NHL my first two years. But as a 19-year-old, end up getting drafted and kind of feel like just kind of taking a little bit more of the scenic route and kind of just staying to it having faith and and uh working hard on my game so yeah there's been a lot of times and like i said i'll reflect on it more after
1: and right now i just want to focus on the task at hand Um, and he's also a big dude i mean six four about 210 remo Uh, a guy certainly the frame that a lot of coaches like um, and you know, just a little bit of a late bloomer, but has really turned into an impact defenseman for the Manitoba Moose and the Winnipeg Jets are hoping that he can be an impact defenseman for them tonight. Presumably starting out with his old Moose teammate Billy Hainola in the top six for the Winnipeg
2: Jets. Well, I mean, he came out and said uh, Heinola, Kovacevic are going to start together, and we don't have any um, and we don't have any d uh, d pairings for like line uh, rushes. So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I think at some point they would go to a, they've kind of been going to a rookie with a veteran. I wonder if they go to that, but I mean, they have experience together with the Moose. Um, you know, maybe that could work, but I, I'm curious uh, who's going who's gonna to play and we'll uh, take a look. Now, the, uh, as we
1: mentioned, Hanela and Kovacevic to begin, uh, looks like Beaulieu playing with Neil Pionk. Um, and then I think there's going to be a, a lot of ice time for Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. And, uh, you know, we heard from Dylan this morning talking about the challenge at hand for his club. And Nate Schmidt, as we talked with Murata Tesh yesterday um, quite extensively, um you know, spoke about some of the things that this team was doing. And I have to admit, Reem, it sort of feels right now uh, like it did at the end of last season when things were going so poorly. Of course, Paul Stastny spoke about it. Quite openly at the end of last season, and we heard some pretty frank comments from Paul from Paul Stastny about what this team needs to do after the game last night. We'll get to it. We'll have a more of a you know, game day skate update from Mike McIntyre coming up in a few minutes. Uh, but Mike Kelly coming up in just a moment. Uh, while we do that, I want to give a big shout-out to our friends over at F Apparel. You know them as uh, Winnipeg and Manitoba's leading place for custom clothes for men, including suits. and. Listen, by the time the springtime rolls around, hopefully the pandemic will be behind us and regular things we love to be back in full effect, including big events and weddings. And F has been Winnipeg's go-to for wedding suits for more than 10 years. They fit up hundreds of wedding parties in Winnipeg each year in affordable custom suits. Perfect for any type of weddings, and uh, you know, wedding parties get fifteen percent off their purchase when they order a suit, shirt, and tie. And if you know someone getting married, F's the place to go. Suits start at three ninety nine, so there's no point in renting a suit for three hundred bucks from a big box store that doesn't fit, isn't comfortable, and you have to go back at the has to go back at the end of the weekend. Find out more, see Andrew and the gang down at one ninety Smith Street, or uh, make an appointment or find out more online at Fapparel.com um it's been a huge week and month really at Vita Health Fresh Market. We talked about all the great products, non-alcoholic products if you're maybe into a sober January or going into a sober February and of course a lot of people dipping their toes into trying vegan diets and Vita Health is the leader in amazing vegan options here in Winnipeg and whether it's supplements, the vegan uh, uh, options whether it's those amazing salads and sandwiches available in their Grab and Go Deli. Good news is Friday is customer appreciation day at all seven Vita Health Fresh Market locations, including the newest one in Linden Ridge. 10% off just about everything in the store. So, a great time if you haven't been to Vita Health. Uh, Culligan Water have been the experts in all things water for 65 years in Southern Manitoba with water softers, filters, bottled water coolers, and whole home systems, drinking water systems citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions for your business. Pop down and see Keenan and the gang, family owned for 65 years in Winnipeg, 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 204-694-5180 or online at drinkculligan.com. All right, let's talk some hockey. One of our favorites returns for the first time in 2022. What a pleasure it is to welcome back our good friend, Mike Kelly of
0: NHL Network. Mike, what's going on? How are you? How are you, Andrew? I'm doing great. Um, I guess happy new year. We haven't talked in a little while, but um everything's good. I was uh kind of halfway between full time work, well, kind of part-time ish, I guess. Recently I got off paternity leave um last week. So we have a, a new baby. Um but I've been keeping up on the hockey as much as I can in that time. So that's why I've been uh MIA a little bit, but Happy to be back uh, at things full time now, for sure. Hey,
1: just before we get down to business, uh, how's dad life? How's the new addition to the Kelly household?
0: It's awesome. Um, <laughs> we've got a two and a half year old son, uh, Brooks, and uh, so we have a little girl now, which is great. So um, good balance there, but it's been good. And you know, it was definitely nice to um, you know be able to relax my work schedule a little bit for a couple months and and just try to be present as much as I can here, uh, as much as possible. So. It's great. Um, You know, my wife is the MVP of the house, so um, I'm very thankful for that, but I'm doing my part as much as I can. (laughs) That is great to hear, and
1: congratulations again. Uh, Mike, you can imagine that Jets fans right now are nervous. Um, Many of them are surprised that the teams in the predicament that they are right now, um, you know, it's been turbulent. They've had some bad losses earlier in the season against teams that, you know, certainly on paper, they had no business losing to. Paul Maurice left after one of those losses to the Buffalo Sabres in December. And then you go through a long period with the new head coach where you're not playing a lot of games. Um, The schedule picked up last week and it hasn't been kind to the Jets. Two points of a possible eight on a very tough road trip and then a, a real reality check against the Florida Panthers on Tuesday night going into this game tonight. I mean, I can't believe I'm calling something a borderline must-win game in the first <laughs> half of the season, but it really does feel that way around Winnipeg. I mean, uh, just what are your thoughts on the Jets and where they stand right now going into this game?
0: Yeah, look, they, they, they're they battling what a lot of teams are battling, right? Inconsistency in the schedule. You get out of, out of a routine where you're, you're off, especially the Canadian teams, where there's been times where they've been off for long stretches and then you're back, and now... You know, with the makeup games coming at the Olympic break, there's going to be uh, a real compressed schedule going the rest of the way. That's the reality. Um, It affects teams differently. It's obviously affected Winnipeg, uh, you know, missing Blake Wheeler for a time. Nick Ehlers, uh, key players being out of the lineups for, you know, different stretches of time. Uh, I look at Winnipeg and I think they're one of those teams where when they're healthy, I really I love the top nine. Obviously, um, the, the forwards are fine. The defense is is okay, and the, and the goaltending we know what Connor Hellebuck is and can and can be. When everything's in place for them, they should be able to compete for a top three spot in in the Central Division, uh, which is just getting stronger and stronger each year. You look at St. Louis now, and Colorado uh, and Minnesota. I mean, those are, are elite teams, and Nashville is playing incredibly well. It's not a lot of room there anymore. Um. So, when you talk about the Jets. How concerned should Jets fans be? I think right now they need to probably play pretty much 600 hockey the rest of the way to have a shot at a wild card. I don't think they're getting a top three spot in the division. Um, and that starts right now. Like you said, you, you can't afford any more of these ups and downs and 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 little losing stretches.
1: Yeah, I mean, Vancouver tonight, St. Louis on Saturday afternoon, and then the Philadelphia Flyers, and we were talking with Steve Cooley yesterday, is like, you know, hopefully Philly wins a game before they're playing the Jets, because you just feel like bad things are happening. Uh, that Well, they, they have been lately, but it needs to, be, uh, needs to be turned around right away. Hey, by the way, thanks a lot to Benjamin Lawrence for that super chat. Very nice of you to uh, support the CTO in a time of need. Um. Listen, every single time we've ever spoken on any of our shows, Paul Maurice has been the head coach of the <laughs> Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that's not the case anymore. Dave Lowry's taken over on an interim basis. Sort of an interesting matchup when you talk about Vancouver and Winnipeg, who both had real tough runs. They now find themselves in the same neighborhood, both with coaching changes. But in Vancouver, they blew the whole thing out and brought in Bruce Boudreau. Here's been a more subtle change. Paul Maurice thinking the guys need a different voice, turning it over to Dave Lowry, specifically to the Jets. Have you noticed anything very much different in the pre to post
0: Maurice era? Yeah, in terms of results, there have been some pretty significant differences. Um, The thing that I'll start with, you know, the process, and then there's the result side of it as well. Uh, You know, I'll start with the results. The, The special teams have been better. Uh, that's obvious just by looking at the power play and the penalty kill percentage. Um, but the process behind those has been better as well. And, you know, the the, the power play is creating more and, and better chances. Uh, and the goaltending, um, you know, is always going to be a huge factor on a penalty kill. But w- when I look at the penalty kill, I'll run through some notes that I made here just in terms of where they were before and where they are now. They were giving up a ton from that net front inner slot area under Paul Maurice. More shots than any other team. Um, you do not want to be thirty second in that category. You you will have a poor power play percentage regardless uh, of goaltending, and they turn pucks over a little more. Those things have been corrected to a significant degree under Dave Lowry. They're not giving up nearly as much from, from those high danger areas, and they're managing the puck better. When they have an opportunity to clear the puck, they're getting the puck out. Um, so that's been a positive. Um, and the power play, they you know one of the things that I look at. It's funny that. You, You don't see it as a traditional statistic, but just how much time does your power play spend in the offensive zone? You you can't do anything if you're not in the O zone. Um, And under Dave Lowry, in terms of the percentage of their power play time, they spend in the O zone the most of any team. They get in, they get set up, they're recovering pucks, they're producing good chances. Um, Better job, I would say. And, you know, again, I've just started to pick up on watching games, you know, every night now, but of what I've seen of Winnipeg, of actually getting pucks to the net front as opposed to more perimeter shooting and and looking for rebound opportunities, so so that's been better. Um, where the team has been, you know, one noticeable uh, change as well has been the goaltending has uh, is, is not been quite as good under under Lowry as it was Maurice. Now that's not a coaching thing per se; it's just a reality. But Winnipeg fans know this: when you're getting elite level Connor Hellebuck goaltending, um, it's going to keep you competitive. There's also levels of sustainability to that. Um, And, you know, if that normalizes a little bit, it's going to expose the defensive deficiencies in the team, um, which I think, you know, we're seeing a little bit of.
1: Mike Kelly of NHL Network with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, One of the real bright spots of this season has been the play of Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I recall Mm -hmm. us talking about um, PLD in the offseason. Uh, And really in the entire framework of the trade, which of course just had its one year anniversary a few days ago with Patrick Line having a real rough run in Columbus um, was questions as to, you know, will PLD become the player that the jets were hoping for when they made that deal. He's really lived up to his end of the bargain so far this season. Um, Yeah. We just thoughts on what you've seen so far and looking ahead to the summer as an RFA uh how expensive might mr dubois get for the winnipeg jets
0: yeah a little bit um it's it's the it's the ying and the yang of it right you want the guy to play great and he is but then you got to pay him um when he got when he when he came to winnipeg i i was pretty high on this guy because you know he he's someone who i think at the end of his time in columbus maybe wasn't battling as much uh i, I know you know john tortorella there was some friction there but I know what kind of player he is in terms of being a power forward, a guy who's hard on the puck, a guy who can get to the front of the net, who's got great speed uh, and size. And there's not a ton of those guys in the league. And, you know, Dubois went through some struggles in different ways uh, earlier in his Jets career. What we're seeing this year is what I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is. And, and that is a powerful, um, strong guy who, you know, great playing the center position. A couple areas that I'll I'll mention of of where he's really stood out to me this year in terms of of numbers is, so you look at the fact he's got, you know, um, 18 goals in in 39 games, that's terrific. In terms of expected goals, so this is, you know, how repeatable is what he's producing? If if his expected goals number is really low, um, you'd argue that he may not produce at this rate for long. He's 13th in the league. That's outstanding. So uh, the quality of his chances uh, is in line with what he's scoring. He's second to Chris Kreider in terms of shots from the inner slot. That's in that front area where half the goals in the league are scored. The guys that get there the most and produce opportunities are going to score. He's second in the league to Chris Kreider, who I believe leads the league in goals. 30 last I checked. Fourth in the league in scoring chances off the rush to Johnny Gaudreau, Alex Debrinkett, and Connor McDavid. That's outstanding. Um, so we know that he can produce off the rush. That's part of why he's got a lot of these inner slot shots but he's also a guy who will go there and use his size to get on rebounds where he's fourth in the league, creating rebound chances on net. Um, There's a lot to love about his game and the way that he's producing offense, uh, multi-dimensional offensive player. So yeah, now you got to sign him, hopefully. And what's it going to cost? I've looked a little bit at the Winnipeg Jets salary cap uh, situation. I know Andrew cops, a UFA uh, is a guy to consider there's six or seven other players uh, that, that need to be signed as well. Um, he's I haven't gone through the actual projection of, of what I think his comps are and what I think he'll, he'll sign for but uh I think it's it's got to be around seven seven point five million dollars in that range at this rate
1: yeah I had no doubt about it and especially if they want to get him on an eight-year term that probably yeah. that number probably goes up significantly in a team like Winnipeg I mean I think we've looked at their track record I mean signing the likes of Ehlers and Connor and Hellebuck when you go down the list um, you know, they're willing to pay a little bit more to have that cost certainty and most importantly, keep their best players here in uh, in the peg. Um, you know, the line of that Pierre-Luc Dubois has been centering is really interesting and they've been driving the bus for the Winnipeg Jets offensively. I mean, Kyle Connor is having, I don't want to say a breakout season because I think he broke out, but maybe more people are paying attention to it. But the one thing that's keeping some smiles on Jet fans' faces right now has been the emergence of Cole Perfetti who's going to play his 10th yeah. game tonight. Um, you know, what have you made of Perfetti's emergence? And uh, you know, I guess looking ahead, um, how excited should um, should a Jet fan be about his potential to, you know, turn that talent into serious NHL
0: production? I think they should be thrilled. Uh, this guy, he's kind of you know, as advertised, coming in. I think in his first nine games, um, he's an elite playmaker, uh, a great offensive player. His hockey IQ is through the roof. The way that he thinks the game. And you can see that when you watch him play um, certainly before he got into the NHL, but even uh, in his first nine games, which is exceptional. Um, so, you know, from a playmaking uh, awareness standpoint with the puck in the offensive zone, he doesn't turn it over a lot in the o ozone, uh, you know, really high numbers in terms of getting passes completed into the slot, which is a real driver of assists. Uh, and I know he's got, I think what, three points in nine games. It's, it's not like he's been explosive on the score sheet yet, but he's still a kid and he's still finding his way Uh, from a process standpoint. There's a lot to like about his game offensively so far in his career, uh, which is encouraging. I'd rather that than a guy who, you know, kind of flukes and bumps his way to six or seven points in his first nine games. Uh, So Jets fans should be encouraged by that. Um, He's, he's good in terms of beating defenders one-on-one you know, that's all goes into the offensive package that he has. And you mentioned the line. Yeah, they've, they've been the best line, I'd, I'd say, since he's been put there um, for Winnipeg. Their, their expected goal rate, that line, uh, is 70%, which is outstanding for a line. That's, that's up there with the, you know, the the Lindholm line in, in Calgary or the um, Kaprizov and, and Hartman-Zuccarello line in Minnesota, real top-end lines. Again, you know, it's, it hasn't been a huge number of games, but this just shows you how well that they've been playing together as a unit um and with connor being the finisher and perfetti being a really smart gifted offensive player and dubois being all the things i've talked about as well you get a lot of really good elements on one line um and as he continues to grow in the nhl you know he'll he'll learn to play off the puck probably a little better and and defensively etc and and that'll all come with time but uh love perfetti before the draft loved what i've seen in the first nine games you know, it, it, it's
1: funny because we were saying on the show going into the game on uh, on Tuesday um, that, you know, he certainly hasn't looked out of place and he seemed to be doing well. But you just hope that maybe, you know, a few more points could come in. And then, I mean, he brought, you know, the 250 fans that were allowed to be there out of their seats and probably a lot of people at home um, with the two primary assists that he had in the game against Florida. And yeah. that game was a train wreck defensively. I mean, far worse than what we've seen from the Jets overall. I mean, and, you know, a lot of credit to Florida with what they were doing but man i mean that the one move he made on the power play to set up dubois for that goal right in the front of the net where you were mentioning yeah.
0: he's had so many chances was uh, was really really big league um, the pass you know, that he made to the other one right the pass to, to connor Con- connor i think that the tied the game was uh, again just a little hesitation to get that passing lane and then execute um yeah i'd be pumped uh, about this kid he's he's hey, looking hey, really good
1: Hey, what are, you know just uh, I'm interested in your thoughts. I mean, you know, Perfetti has it all as far as, I mean, an incredible hockey mind, I mean, great hands, instincts. I mean, the one thing that's always been the case for him, I guess the knock, if you will, is that he doesn't have that big league, super elite speed. For a player like that, what are the most important things to be able to make the most of your talents if you're not a complete burner like, you know, Kyle Connor is, for instance?
0: Well, you don't have to be. I think... teams can do this and certainly players can as well you can play fast without being the fastest guy um or or the fastest team there there are teams that play really fast uh brand of hockey that don't have a whole bunch of burners on their team it's just the way that they execute um if you can think the game as well as Profetti can you can put yourself in optimal situations to create plays and offense and space and time that isn't just straight line speed uh so uh, like i mentioned his ability to beat guys one-on-one and be elusive with the puck There's a lot of different ways to create passing lanes, skating lanes, shooting lanes without getting there with just, you know, flat out North South speed. And that's, you know, more of his game, or certainly an exceptional part of his game is being able to do those things. So, um, you know, there's other guys in the league that are are very dynamic offensive players uh, that aren't necessarily the fastest guys. And if that's, you know, what Perfetti is, is going to be, I don't think it's going to limit him in terms of what he can do offensively because you can think the game so well. I, I can think of, of several guys who have terrific raw speed that don't think the game well at all and are stunted in what they can ever be as an offensive player in the league. So um, I, I wouldn't worry too much about that if I was a Jets fan. Yeah, Mike Kelly of NHL network with us up. We'll talk about the visitors
1: tonight. I mean, not uh... Listen us in on what's been happening in Vancouver, how Bruce Boudreau was able to turn that around. And was that a temporary bump uh, going into this game tonight? I believe they are about three, four and three in their last 10 after that incredibly hot start to get things going under smile uh, smiling Bruce.
0: Yeah, it, it was a bit of obviously a temporary bump in how good their record was. They were what eight and one or nine and one. In, in, uh when he started and you know, that's going to normalize. They're not the best team in the NHL. Um, but people talk about coaching bumps and, and, I'm interested in why, why, you know, it's not like, I guess it can change the mood of a team and there are intangible effects to it. But when I looked at at Vancouver and what was actually contributing to their success, biggest thing Thatcher Demko, as he can do and often does, was playing incredible at the start of Bruce Boudreaux's tenure. That helps. Um, But he did change the way that they, uh, you know, in terms of their transition game, which was such a weakness under Travis Green in the way that he coached not because he wasn't a good coach, but because he prioritized things differently. Um, I think he recognized that the the defense of that team was a weakness, and it is. And I think he tried to protect them as much as he could. Um, That stunted what they could do offensively. Bruce Boudreaux came in and did what he's done with other teams, which is saying, we're going to turn pucks up the ice quick. We're going to jump into the rush. We're going to play a fast brand of hockey. And that's what they did. Um, Quick ups in terms of, you know, puck gets dumped into the neutral zone. What's your next move? It was north, fast, and it was getting everybody up into the rush, uh, which is something Vancouver hadn't done previously, and that worked for them. Um, they created a lot of offense that way, especially in their first five, six, seven games. Now teams are going to start to adjust to this, and and that's going to be part of a, a you know things normalizing for Vancouver, and that's happened. Um, the penalty kill, you know, when he got there, he, he addressed that I think as well and, and helped improve it also. Um, so those were a couple identifiable areas where he was able to come in and make an, imme- an immediate impact. Over time, you're ultimately going to end up being more of what your team is, no matter how you play. And to me, Vancouver, as they are now, is an OK team, probably not a playoff team, probably on that, that next tier just outside of a playoff team. Um, that's where I see them. Well, I mean, a big part of that also is the uh, lack of production from Elias Patterson. I mean, you're looking, he's
1: fifth in scoring on the team. He's got 22 points in 42 games. Um, uh, A strange sort of almost season-long slump, if you can call it that. I mean, a lot of players would kill for those numbers, but that's not what the Canucks thought when they were uh, signing him to the deal that they did
0: no question and uh he was a guy at the start of the season i thought could be you know let's bump him around a point of game type guy you could have a great year and, and and start to be that you know big time offensive player for vancouver like it hasn't happened this year um his, his play just hasn't been as good uh and his his ceiling i think is so high that you know you're always going to you're going to want him to be scoring more than he is producing more points than he is. And he's certainly capable of it. It's it's one of the things that Patrick Alvine addressed in his introductory press conference yesterday is um, the maturation process of Elias Pedersen and getting him to his potential and to his ceiling. Uh, I'm not concerned that he'll get there. We've seen what he can do. Um, and and there's been, you know, flashes, especially recently where you're starting to see kind of that old Elias Pedersen um, more than, than previously in the year. Uh you're right, though. That's a huge part of, you know, whether Vancouver's going to be successful or not is going to be on, on that guy's shoulders for what he can do offensively. Uh, you know, while we're talking about the Pacific, um,
1: you know, the Canucks did have a 2 nothing lead against the Oilers going into the third period. Sort of a tough goal, started a bit of a comeback, and then the uh, we call it the gentleman's agreement in the final four minutes for uh, no one to do anything and make sure that the team game goes to overtime and everyone gets a point and then play for the extra one. But um, even with two wins in a row there is still a lot of nerves in edmonton right now i mean this team was 16 and 5 at the beginning yep. of december mike and you know played worse than any team in the national hockey league for the next 6 plus weeks uh, how has this happened and have you seen anything that tells you that maybe the oilers are getting out of it
0: yeah so first uh, there's a few reasons why it happened um and, and I, I don't think they've been as bad as the record indicate. Look, I have people tell me you are what your record is. And I understand that argument as well. Um, you know, being someone with an analytics background and focus, I obviously heavily value the process. Um, they haven't been as bad as the record since, you know, December 2nd, when this whole thing started to go downhill in terms of what they're um, producing offensively, what they're allowing defensively. What they have had since December 2nd is the worst goaltending in the National Hockey League. That will make your entire team look worse than you are all the time, right? Like there's there's not much that can overcome that unless you have a power play that's at 50% and you're scoring four or five goals a game, which Edmonton can do, but it's impossible for anybody to do over a long stretch of time. So, you know, the power play normalized a little bit. They're still producing chances at an elite level. I expect that power play to be better than what it's been in the last – month and a half as we go forward in the rest of the season the penalty kill has been bad not just goaltending bad but execution bad and you miss nuge for a bit you miss uh you miss uh hyman for a bit and you know nuge longer those are, are effective penalty killers for you that's going to contribute to it but they're you know they're allowing teams to get into their zone with ease to get set up with ease, produce high quality shots with ease um they're not getting on on uh, their shot recovery has been poor there, there's been Identifiable areas to address there, and the goaltending's been bad. Um, so now we get to the goaltending, which is the biggest thing. It's easy to throw Miko Koskinen under the bus because he has not been uh, very good overall in, in this time. But at the same time, he's if you're depending on Miko Koskinen to be your everyday starter, you are not going to get above average goaltending, and that, that's going to affect a team. When you get down a goal, uh, and they've given up the first goal a ton, uh, that's going to affect your team um so that that's been the biggest thing but you know like i said the oilers in terms of the process behind things they they should have won more games than they've won the goaltending has torpedoed them at times i'm not that concerned about this team being a bad team i don't think they're a bad team i think they're a a better than average team not an elite team um and you know like i said it's it's goaltending is a huge part of it i I ran these numbers a couple days ago so they're a day a game or two outdated but i just looked at teams in the league, and how many games they win when their goaltending performs as expected or better in terms of goals saved above expected? How many games do they win when they get below average goaltending? And to that point in the season, Edmonton had won 13 out of 16 games when they get expected or better goaltending in a game. Um, Their their record, I think, 29% of games uh, that they won when they get below average goaltending. So they've had a lot of that lately, which is a massive problem. And it goes a lot more closely in line with what their win percentage is in that time. Hey, just quickly on the way out, I mean, notwithstanding all of
1: his off-ice problems, but it looks like Evander Kane's going to get another chance with those Oilers. I mean, uh, if he manages to just kind of do what they expect him to do and be a responsible player, um, how big of a boost do you think he'll be to uh, Edmonton?
0: just from the player standpoint it should be fantastic uh a really good power forward in the league the guy can score uh Edmonton you know they're they're a little thin on the wings and uh to help balance out your your lineup your top six uh even top nine just to balance it out phenomenal player to get in that sense just from a hockey standpoint um no question about it yeah and he strap on pads and play goal yeah <laughs> That would help them the most um but you know they're actively looking you know they're looking to address that situation but uh from a pure hockey standpoint there's no question you'd help that team.
1: yeah and i mean it makes sense for him to go there i mean they have a massive need and uh, i mean for a guy that's trying to resuscitate a career that many thought was over um riding shotgun with either dry sidle or mcdavid yeah. probably a pretty good place to uh, try and boost your value going into the off season. Mike, thanks so much again. It's been great having you on the show. Congrats again on uh, the new daughter. It will be great to see you back on NHL Network soon and uh, keep up the great work. We always love talking to you
0: here in Winnipeg on Winnipeg Sports Talk. My pleasure. Good connecting with you again. And uh, we'll we'll go for a Jets win uh, hopefully here and uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah, they need it big time tonight, Mike, (laughs) as we've been talking about extensively here on the program.
1: Take care, pal. Thanks again. There he is, Mike Kelly of the uh, NHL Network, one of our favorites. And, uh, you know, obviously you should be following him on Twitter, at Mike Kelly NHL. You know, he did some amazing work over at the Point Hockey, uh, you know, over the last few years, um, and has really turned into one of the most interesting and unique analysts, um, you know, with NHL Network. Always great having him on the program. All right, we're going to stay on the Jets. Mike McIntyre coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, Of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk is powered by Manitoba Battery, as is Winnipeg and Manitoba as we get through some more cold late midwinter January weather. Uh, if you're needing a battery uh or you've been calling your friends needing a boost, probably time to get a new battery. And don't waste your time at Costco or into the big box stores paying more. Shop local and get the best deal in town from Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. Uh, obviously, best price in town ninety-four fifty. even less with Core Exchange. Or you can give them a call at 783 8787 and they can take the battery to you wherever you are with citywide delivery. Um, and in addition to automotive batteries, of course, they've got everything covered when it comes to uh, the toys for winter, including all makes and models for sled batteries. And uh, when all this snow finally is gone. Uh, Boats and all the fun stuff in the summer, Manitoba Batteries got you covered for that as well. Find out more online, manitobabattery.com, or go and visit them down at 1026 Logan Avenue. Uh, Jets back in action tonight. Another new member of the Jets making a debut. Uh, And if you're thinking about a new jersey for a member of the Winnipeg Jets, you know where to start. Royal Sports over at 750 Pemina Highway, Winnipeg's true one and only sports superstore. Uh, And maybe the biggest selection of Winnipeg Jets merchandise with thousands of exclusive items, uh, all jerseys, whatever player you want, they'll get it done there. And of course, not just Jets gear. You've got Bomber Grey Cup Championship gear, tons of Blue Bomber merch. And of course, lots of NFL gear, especially if your team's one of the four still standing and into the conference championship weekend. Uh, Million dollar hockey inventory, snowboards and more, and tons of cool stuff over on the Kings skate, snow and surf side. Pop down and see him at 750 Pemina Highway and follow him on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and special deals. And as we get into 2022, many of you probably sick and tired of your car. If you're thinking about a new ride before you do anything, visit our friends over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGillivray. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? Uh, so many amazing vehicles ready to go on the lot right now. And if you've got a particular vehicle you're trying to source and find, the experts at Not will make that happen for you. Uh, you can hit them up online at Not.ca or pop down and see them along with the new Winnipeg Car Lab over at Waverly and McGillivray. All right, Jets, Canucks tonight. Uh, you know, been <laughs> saying it for a while. Hard to believe the level of desperation it feels around here right now. A massive two points on the line, one that the Winnipeg Jets absolutely need. And to get ready for tonight's game, we welcome in our guy, Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, what's going on? How are you? you know, it's always great to have you with us. I um, was just sort of saying as we went in, you know, three games until the All-Star break, I mean, a miserable last couple of weeks, uh, not much to show for the road trip, a real tough night getting back at home against the Florida Panthers. And um, I would suggest to you that this should be a team with a great sense of urgency going into tonight against the Vancouver Canucks.
3: Yeah, the Jets, uh, they're racking up the moral victories, but unfortunately, Huss, those uh, and a couple bucks will get you a coffee at at Tim's or Starbucks. Um, because they don't amount to much, right? I mean, the Jets, that's the thing. They haven't played terrible at all over this recent stretch, and yet they really have nothing to show for it, save for a couple of of extra time losses to, uh, you know, to good teams in Washington and Pittsburgh. Uh, but the Jets are, you know, at risk here of falling right out of the Western Conference playoff picture. And I dare say, Huss. You know, they're not even at the halfway point of their schedule. Other teams, of course, have passed the midway mark. But it seems to me that the Jets are down to basically fighting for one remaining playoff spot that you can pretty much wipe top three in the central and the top wild card spot kind of out of the picture here, because the Jets are already 12 points back of the top four teams in their own division. And that really just leaves that second wild card spot. And there are a ton of teams in the mix for that spot, including the one that we'll see tonight at Canada Life Centre. And as we all know, I mean, games in hand, yeah, they're great, but you still got to win them. And sometimes Haas' perception can become reality, right? And um, if you fall too far behind and if there's too many teams kind of in between you and the playoffs that you've got to leap over, that task can become even more daunting. So, you're right here. These next three games, the Jets need to make something happen here before they head into the All Star break, or they're going to be coming out of that All Star break pretty much looking at next year already.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and I know you were firing this out, you know, earlier on Twitter. You know, we started to talk about the Jets being sellers. I mean, I guess you have to acknowledge that possibility. I mean, I'll still say that it's a little too early to go down that road because there is a ton of hockey to be played in February, but that's almost makes it more challenging, Mike, with the, you know, everything the team's been through with who's available, who isn't available, revolving door in the dressing room from the Manitoba Moose. And, you know, to your point, I mean, the Minnesota Wild, along with the Blues, Preds and Avalanche, hard to imagine them falling off so much that, you know, they wouldn't be in the mix. So you're exactly right i mean the flames right now are in that final wild card spot but what's even more daunting is that in between the flames and the winnipeg jets you've got the dallas stars you've got the san jose sharks and the edmonton oilers and of course you know the jets come into this game against the vancouver canucks tied in points with the uh with the canucks but with three games in hand and as you mentioned it doesn't matter i mean if the canucks were able to get one up and just two points on them i mean it's a huge it, this is a massive massive game but I guess what I'm saying is, um, you know, these games are incredibly important. And I think, you know, regardless of what happens, they'll still come out of the all-star break knowing that they've got a huge task at hand. But it's hard to avoid the possibility that, you know, if things don't turn around quickly, we could be having conversations heading into March in that trade deadline that certainly nobody in the organization was considering a possibility when we dropped the puck at the beginning of the year.
3: Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, I got to think over in the Vancouver room, they're saying a lot of the same things. They've of course been playing a lot better hockey than the Jets as of late, but they were so far out of it, Huss, uh, that the Canucks, I'm sure they're looking at this game tonight as well as a huge game for them, um, you know, and a chance to leap over the Jets if they could get the two points. Um, and, you know, if you're the Jets, of course, you don't have your optimal lineup or anything really close to it. Um, you know, you've got Nikolai Ehlers, of course, he's sidelined. Uh, you've got Dylan DeMello and Josh Morrissey. You know, they're both sidelined. You're going to have another defenseman making his NHL debut um, tonight. You know, it, it's it's a tough go here for the Jets due to COVID, due to injuries, due to scheduling issues. Um, these are not excuses, but they're certainly dare I say, explanations for maybe some of what's been ailing the Jets lately. And again, to be clear, they're not getting their doors blown off by anybody. They played four pretty solid road games for the most part last week. The unfortunate thing is this is a results-oriented business, and the results just simply aren't there. And it does create a very interesting scenario, as you say, Huss, if the Jets were to kind of limp into the All-Star break and then come out of it this was not supposed to be a year of rebuilding or retooling. That work was already supposed to have been done. This is a salary cap team spending to the ceiling that was, we thought added the pieces that, that many thought they needed. And if this does become a lost season, I guess one of the many questions is, is Kevin shovel off around to pull the trigger on whatever, The next version of these jets look like that is to say you know does he go does he get a chance to hire the next coach or you know to bring in the next set of free agents and to make the trades Um, and these are questions that I think as we get closer to the trade deadline and if the jets remain on the outside looking in I think those questions are going to get louder
1: yeah, I, you know, there's no doubt. I mean, it, it would be an incredible disappointment from top to bottom of the organization if we're not talking about a playoff series in the first round. And to be honest, even sneaking into the second wildcard spot, I don't think was really part of the plan either. Yeah. But at this point, I think everyone would say, well, take it. I mean, chip in a chair, right? You got to be in the dance if you uh, know to have a chance. Um but as far as just in the short term right now when we're looking at this club i mean you're right i mean they are going through quite a bit of adversity but you know we kind of said this earlier i mean it's hard to use that as any sort of an excuse because um this is happening to every team throughout yeah. the national hockey league at some point point. and listen the timing isn't great but you know we've talked a lot about the depth of the organization especially on the blue line well it's being tested right now but at the same time Pretty great opportunities for a number of young players to get into the lineup. We'll talk about, uh, we'll close Savage in a minute. Um, but let me ask you about Vili Hainala, because um, I think it's great for him that he's getting another opportunity to get back into the lineup. Um, that was a tough situation. He was put in going into a game, finding out quickly before the game, and then going in to play with Nate Beaulieu. And I don't think we'll be seeing that pairing probably tonight, considering the results of uh, of Tuesday night. Um, but what do you make of a heinous spot right now? And um, like, how huge of an opportunity is this game tonight for Villy considering what happened on Tuesday against Florida?
3: Yeah, he's had 48 hours to kind of get settled, catch his breath a little bit. And I think it's a massive opportunity because we've seen what some other guys have done with opportunities already this year, Huss. You don't have to look far, whether it's Paul Perfetti, you know, about to burn his ELC tonight. A, a, a predicament or a, a development that maybe nobody saw coming even just a few weeks ago. But, you know, circumstance created opportunity and Cole Perfetti is absolutely pounced on that. I'd say the same thing about Dylan Sandberg, who unfortunately is now going to miss perhaps a few weeks with an injury. There's another guy that absolutely made the most of an opportunity. So here now is one for Billy Hanela. And not just an opportunity to play a regular shift at five on five, but it would appear Hus based on what we saw briefly the other night, an opportunity to play on the power play as well, and to be out there with some really talented forwards, and maybe show off some of the things that we know Villy can do. Um, uh, certainly at the AHL level, that he's he's well established. So this is a huge chance. I mean, he's he's going to get a, every chance here to uh, to succeed. And the Jets need guys like Billy Hainala to kind of step in here uh, because they're shorthanded, because they need wins. They don't care who the production comes from. They just need guys to step up. And so, you know, a great chance, whether it was Declan Chisholm earlier in the year and now Jonathan Kovasevich tonight. One thing, I guess, a silver lining to all this is maybe opportunity is coming knocking a little earlier than it otherwise would have in a so-called normal season And for young players waiting for a chance, well, they're getting those chances. Now it's up to them to do something with them.
1: Well, speaking of those chances, let's talk about Johnny Kovacevic, who's going to make his NHL debut today. We played a clip of him earlier. It's pretty neat to hear, Mike. I mean, this is a young man that had a a very different path to the National Hockey League than uh, that many do. Um, But tonight is the night. And I mean, anyone that's paid attention to the Manitoba Moose this year have noticed that he has sort of barged into the conversation of young players that have sort of, you know, put their hand up and said, yeah, I'm ready to go in. Uh, what did you make of what Kovacevic had to say? And uh, the fact that he'll be in the lineup tonight against against the Canucks in a game that the Winnipeg Jets simply
3: need to win. There would be a lot of folks who watch the Moose, certainly a lot more than I do, Huss, folks that I trust, um, who would tell you that the best defenseman for the Moose this season has not been Dylan Sandberg, has not been Vili heinela It's been Johnny Kovacevic. And even dating back to last season, like he absolutely um, emerged on the pro scene last year and opened a lot of eyes. Um, I, I really liked his training camp. I liked what we saw in the preseason from Kovacevic. You know, he's a big body, but he is extremely mobile. There's some offense there. Um you know, he just plays his position really well. And one thing that I'm interested in seeing tonight, it appears that that him and Billy Heinle are going to be paired together. They've played some time together down on the farm with the Moose. So, you know, certainly there's familiarity there. Granted, it's going to be against tougher competition tonight at, at a, on a bigger stage. Um, but yeah, this is a guy that I think the organization is really high on. And for good reason, he checks off a lot of boxes, about what you'd want in a pro-defenseman, whether it's the size, the skill set, the mobility. Um, you know, there's a modern-day kind of defenseman there, and I'm really anxious to see what he can do. Um, and again, you know, the Jets, for the longest time, the blue line was a real question of this organization, especially after 2018, the mass exodus, and, you know, all the guys that left, Bufflin, Truba, Myers, Sherratt, Kulikov, you know, you go down the list, Enstrom. Um, and all of a sudden, the Jets, what once had been a really deep position, became quite thin. Um, and it took some time to rebuild, right? But I, I would say now uh, the blue line is a strength of this team, both in what they have at the NHL level and certainly what they have percolating on the farm. And we're getting to see maybe a little more of that farm system than we thought we would this year. But there's some real benefits to that, that, you know, in the long run might help the players and the organization.
1: Well, you know what? And while we're talking about the youth of the team, Mike, I mean, I said going into the Tuesday game against Florida that, you know, I think Cole Perfetti's looked really good. I mean, he looked like he fits well, but you know, the points hadn't been there and it'd be nice to see him sort of get rewarded. And, you know, as disappointing was that, that game was, and, you know, it was defensive disaster at times. I mean, those two plays that Cole Perfetti made on goals by his line mates, Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, you know, were a real silver lining. Um, you know, hard not to be excited about uh, him going forward, but uh, what did you make of him particularly on Tuesday and the fact that um, it looks like he's going to be here for good knowing that tonight is game number 10?
3: There is there is an intelligence to Cole Perfetti that, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify, it's hard to measure, there's there's an, an aura that he almost gives off every time he's on the ice. And the more you watch him, the more it becomes apparent that this is an extremely smart player who, you know, it might take him a little bit of time to adjust to his surroundings. But everything we know about Cole Perfetti is that regardless of what level of hockey he's played at, he makes those adjustments because he's so cerebral And I think what we found now is he's really adjusting to playing with the likes of Dubois and Connor, that head fake, that little head fake and that subtle pause that, that ended with him feeding Pierre-Luc Dubois in tight for the power play goal. I mean, that's a play that even the most seasoned pros would have difficulty making and and he made it look easy. Um, You know, two primary assists the other day and I dare say Hus not only the other day, but even in, in games on the road trip last week, like he was robbed of a few points because that line was almost always dangerous. They were creating so much and they didn't always get rewarded. You know, they ran into some hot goaltending, some bad luck, you know, they hit some posts, that sort of thing, missed some nets. Uh, But they are generating a lot of, of looks. And I really wonder And maybe we never get to the point this season where everyone on the Jets roster is healthy. You'd like to think that we would. We were almost there. Blake Wheeler came back, but then Nikolai Ehlers went out. Uh, And now some other guys have left as well, of course, with COVID and with injury. But if we ever get a fully healthy forward group, I am fascinated to see where Cole Perfetti still finds himself. Because if I'm Dave Lowry, I'm not sure I'm touching that line with Perfetti, Dubois, and Connor, given what that that trio can create. And it would allow you to maybe beef up in some other areas, including on your third line, Um, you know, as a result of having Perfetti. So, yeah, to me, it was a no-brainer that, that he would play now past his nine games once we kind of saw what he's capable of. And I think the Jets will gladly burn a year of his ELC uh, for the return on the investment that they're getting.
1: Well, the bottom line is they need him right now. Yeah. I mean, they're like, I mean, they can't think about the middle of February when Nikolai Ehlers is eligible to come back. I mean, right. they got to be focused on tonight. And that line has been the line that's been doing it for it. Now, you know, it has been interesting though with Blake Wheeler's return. Um, and I've been impressed with the way Wheeler's look, you know, Me in the first three, first three games. Um, and, you know, I look at Mark Shifley and he's sort of a point to game over the last five games. We know the results for the team hasn't been there. Um, but it is interesting. I don't think there's any doubt, and certainly in the mind of Dave Lowry, just look at the ice time as to who the number one line is right now. What do you make of the Scheifele unit right now as far as um, the return of Wheeler and, and where 55 is right now? Because, and I mean, listen, he is scoring. It's not like he's a ghost on the score sheet. Um, but, you know, at times... He looks like the usual Mark Shifley. And at other times um, the engagement level, I think a lot of people um, would agree hasn't entirely been where the Winnipeg Jets needed to be every single night.
3: Yeah, there's, there's certainly some inconsistency there, which you'd like to think at the age of 28, you know, you'd be behind that, right. That you'd kind of know what to expect every single night, every single shift from Mark Shifley and, you know it seems to me that it's going the other way a bit that that it's becoming a little more erratic that there's really good shifts but then there's others that that are not so good and as you say there's defensive lapses and brain cramps but then there's really good plays as well and i don't know i don't know what to attribute that to other than i suppose you could make the argument that mark shifley is a guy who kind of got comfortable here you know, in his role and certainly in his line mates, like there wasn't a lot of change Uh, this year that hasn't really been the case. We're seeing a little more turnover, you know, obviously Wheeler being out played a role in that Kyle Connor is no longer beside him. You know, he has been at times this season, but primarily Connor's now with Dubois. And so we've seen a number of different players, including Nicolai Ehlers, who's now out. So Shifley's had to get used to some different line mates you know, whether it's Stasny or Kopp or uh, you go down the list, right? And, I, you know, again, you'd like to think that this player is established enough that that wouldn't affect the day-to-day. But I do think we're seeing, I don't know if you could call it a changing of the guard here, but, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is certainly making a case that he is the number one center on this team, not Mark Scheifele. I think we all expected that a day would come when Mark Shifley would no longer be the bonafide number one, maybe that day's come a little bit earlier. And so does it mean that we have to almost adjust our expectations a little bit? I mean, again, he's only 28. He still should be in the prime of his career and with a number of big years still ahead of him, but there's no question Huss, the jets would like a little more consistency from Mark Shifley and, you know, probably a little more production as well. But as you say, there's been some production there. I don't think that's what's what's the difference between winning and losing right now. If I had to point to one thing offensively that the Jets could use a little more of, it would be some depth scoring. Uh, we saw a team like Florida roll in here the other day. I mean, that third line of theirs was absolutely dominant, right? Mason Marchment and and Anton Lundell, like they had their way with the Jets. And you know, I think you're seeing on really good teams. They're getting a balanced attack. Their third and fourth liners are contributing a lot more than, unfortunately, we've got from the Jets. And again, part of that is no doubt that they've got guys playing in elevated roles now because of guys out of the lineup. But you'd like to find a little more offense. And so whether it's, you know, a Harkins, Bechnikov, Veselainen fourth line that I think has some real offensive potential, or a little more from Adam Lowry, who's going to play his 500th game tonight, You just like to get a little more contribution from your bottom six.
1: There's no doubt about that. Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press with us getting ready for a big one tonight between the Winnipeg Jets and the Vancouver Canucks with a seven o'clock puck drop in front of 250 fans down at Canada Life Center. Um, Mike, we don't need to get into the Florida game. There was some good. There was a lot of bad in it. But I do want to ask you, I'm not sure whether it was you or Billick or one of the other guys that was at practice yesterday, but they said the practice was very quiet. Um, And um, I just wanted to get your reaction to the aftermath of that game, what you heard from Paul Stastny yesterday's practice, as well as what we heard from Nate Schmidt yesterday. I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, And to be honest, the Stastny speech really reminded me of what he had to say at the end of last year, when it seemed like the whole, everything was caving in on the Winnipeg Jets and that extended losing streak at the end of the season.
3: It sure did. Shades of, of that, uh, that big losing streak and, you know, Paul Stasi kind of going on about cheating for offense and guys abandoning their defensive responsibilities. Like feels like deja vu, right? We've heard that speech before. And, I'm sure for a guy like Paul Stasny, it's got to be frustrating that we're kind of having these same conversations again. You'd like to think that you learn from the past and that you moved past it and made the adjustments. And I still think that this Jets team, um, they are, you know, you can change the personnel as they have. Um, I, is it a systems issue? I mean, again, Paul Maurice is gone, but the rest of the coaching staff is still the same. Um, and so is this more of a, does this speak to a systemic problem and uh, the way the Jets kind of go about their business? Um, and if that's the case, you know, that you can't fix that overnight, obviously. Um, and there's bigger, deeper problems if that's the case that are going to have to be addressed. Um, you know, if it's personnel, well, they've changed a lot of the personnel. They've changed the guys on the blue line um they've changed the line combinations they, they've got some other players in the lineup that haven't been there before and yet we still seem to be talking about the same same kind of issues right so that's got to be frustrating and I, I did get the sense that there's just growing frustration with this group and certainly a guy like paul stasny a veteran guy you know he talked about uh him and blake wheeler specifically and you know, how they've got to not get frustrated, which I imagine is a real <clears throat> real challenge right now. Uh, sorry, Hus. Um you hope that <clears throat> that they can adjust. Losing my voice. I'm getting cracked up here. <laughs> no
1: problem. You're I think there was a lot of Winnipeg Jet fans in a similar spot after that game. Uh and, and to be honest, it sounded like like a number of the uh, you know, of the players sort of, you know. There's only so much you can say, and there's other things you know, you need to go and prove what you can do, you know, on the ice. But the fact that Nate Schmidt, who already has a pretty solid and big dressing room presence, said what he said, but to me, it was all about Paul Stastny, who um is another guy who may as well have the C on his chest. Um, chooses when he speaks and what he says very carefully. Um, and we hadn't heard anything like this this year. But I think that just speaks to what should be a desperate team coming in, doing whatever it takes on every single shift to win, get two points and start this thing moving in the right direction.
3: Yeah. And the question I have has desperate for sure, um, you know, probably down in the dumps a little bit. I also wonder how fragile they are. And, you know, like if they get behind, is this group so fragile right now that they're gonna have a tough time kind of digging out of a hole? And you know, I guess we'll get the answer to that. It would behoove the Jets, of course, to maybe score first tonight. So they don't have to worry about that. But I, I do wonder just how fragile this group is right now. And you know, the old saying, when it rains, it pours. Well, it is starting to feel like it's kind of stormy around here right now. And, you know, if if everybody's sitting around waiting for a change, like, look, we we got that. Back in December, right? It felt like like everyone was waiting for something to happen. And then something did happen. Paul Maurice and the Jets parted ways. Um, You know, the schedule has been such that there there hasn't been a lot of consistent play here over the last month. But now we're kind of getting into the teeth of it. uh, And certainly coming out of the All-Star break, it will be an absolute sprint to the finish line. Um, And so, you know, if you're a fragile team... Um, it can really go south in a hurry. And and it's going to uh, it's going to test the fortitude of this group, no doubt about it, to kind of find the answers. Because I don't think there's no white knight kind of riding in to save the day here, Huss. I mean, sure, they they might get some guys back. You know, Morrissey will come off COVID protocol. Nikolai Ehlers by mid-February. Uh, but they can't afford to just wait for that. And again, there's no telling, you know, that, what 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 else could happen between now and then they need to start getting some solutions in the here and now and with the group that they have and yeah the atmosphere around practice yesterday was not one that i would say inspires a ton of confidence look i get why they're all kind of feeling down uh that was a tough loss the night before but they better find a way to to kind of turn that frown upside down as the saying goes and come out with uh with a real positive to tonight's game
1: well just before we go mike um you know there there is one white knight or there could be one white knight and he wears number 37 and plays, yeah. plays goal for the winnipeg jets and it's sort of been an up and down couple weeks for the team and i think for Connor halibut he uh you know has sometimes been the uh master of his own demise uh, particularly thinking about what happened in pittsburgh and that one bizarre goal like against the florida panthers uh but I mean, to me, and you don't want to put this much pressure on one player, but that is the guy that, um, you know, really has been the backbone of this club. And if they're going to start and get on a roll, to me, it's going to maybe start with a massive performance from Connor Hellebuck, who, by the way, is uh, on schedule to maybe put up Arter's urbe like numbers as far as game starts. Just uh, thoughts on Helly before we run.
3: Yeah. Don't expect Dave Lowry to throw his number one goalie, a a lifeline anytime soon in terms of a day off here. We asked Dave Lowry, I think it was actually Sunday after the game, after Hellebuck had played back to back. And somebody asked Dave Lowry, are you thinking of giving Connor a day off? And his answer was, yeah, he'll get a day off tomorrow, which was Monday, which was a day off for the entire team. (laughs) Um, so nice of the coach to not take away his CBA mandated days off. <laughs> but uh, other than that, Dave Lowry appears um, he's going to ride his number one here. And, you know, I think it speaks to a couple things. You want to try and ice, you know, when things aren't going well, you want to continue to ice what you view as your optimal lineup. And there's no question that a lineup with Connor Hellebuck uh, is your optimal lineup in the goaltending position. I do think it also speaks, though, to a potential flaw of this team that we all identified coming into camp and into the season, which is how much faith do they really have in the backup position? We know that they couldn't afford to re-sign Lauren Bressois, who signed that big deal with Vegas, and the Jets kind of had to go on the cheat for a backup. And so they got Eric Comrie, a guy that the organization loves, but let's face it, who's who's fairly untested at the NHL level. They got him on a league minimum deal because that's really all they could afford to pay their backup goaltender, who probably wasn't going to play a whole lot anyways. Well, that's certainly come to fruition. Throw in the fact that Comrie got COVID. Uh, he wasn't even an option. And I think as, as much as we're all enamored with the Birdman and what his future could be maybe in the NHL, I don't think the organization feels like his time is, has arrived just yet. And so they kind of have no choice but to hope that Connor Hellebuck can kind of lead them out of the wilderness here. Unfortunately, he's been straying into the wilderness a little bit too much lately in terms of, you know, going out of his net. And I do wonder, Haas, is some of that fatigue that, you know, the brain cramps, are they creeping in because he's played so much? Um, who's to say? But you're right. They sure could use a Vesna-like performance from their former Vesna winner. Beginning with tonight, uh, they need him to steal a game or two on nights when they don't have their A-game.
1: Mike, awesome stuff as always. Thanks so much for doing this. Just, are you in the back of an Uber right now, or I mean, people have been wondering whether you're, you're doing a hands-free drive for uh, the entire duration of this interview.
3: No, I'm. I'm actually. <laughs> I'm sitting behind the wheel of my own car, but I'm parked. I've been parked the whole time. Part of the reason, Huss, that I'm a little parched today, I just actually got off, um, believe it or not, a film set where I've been reading lines for the last three and a half hours as part of a a true crime film series that's being filmed in Winnipeg here uh, for a U.S. network. And I'm, I'm actually uh, going back to my old crime roots for it. Uh, and so I've been I've been reading lines for three and a half hours. And so I just got out in time here and I uh, yeah, had to do the hit from the car. Well,
1: oh, I appreciate it. I was wondering, I mean, uh, looking like a million U.S. tax free today, by the way. I like uh, the hat, you know, the, the tie. I mean, you're uh, tell you what, you've got the nice game day fit on. The Jets should take a picture of you rolling into the, into the arena tonight, much like they do the players uh, often and throw it up on their social feeds.
3: I thought you were going to ask me, uh, not if I was riding in an Uber, but if I was driving an Uber,
1: driving a limo, actually, Dri- is what well, you yeah, look like. I, I
3: look like, I look like I could head to the airport right now and pick <laughs> up a, uh, pick up a crew. Um, but, uh, yeah, may, you know, inspired by Adam Lowry, I suppose I did not get this hat at a haberdashery. Uh, but I do, I do like the hat. My wife got it for me for my birthday a couple of weeks back and, uh, I told her I'd give it a try. It hides my receding hairline, which to be honest, that's the main purpose of it.
1: Yeah, I could use a lid right now too, to be honest with you. Well, I'll tell you what, um, obviously huge game and quick road trip for the Jets. And I'm surprised you didn't do some negotiating with Hamilton to trade trips because uh, I know you would be at the Royal Rumble on Saturday night if you were in St. Louis for that afternoon game after you filed your copy for the free press.
3: Us, we are two peas in a pod. I was just telling... A bunch of uh, friends about that yesterday, and I even told my wife that last night how uh, uh, I regret not being on this trip. Because you're right, that would make for an epic sports day, uh, the double-double there with the uh, the game in the afternoon and the Royal Rumble at night. The Jets, are, they have a full-off day Sunday, so you don't even have to worry about getting to the next city. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I'll, I'll just be watching it on uh, on pay-per-view.
1: I'm uh, I'm even more choked because uh, I could have done the game in the afternoon, done the Royal Rumble on oh, Saturday night, and then what? a quick four hours down I-70 to Arrowhead Stadium for the AFC Championship game. Any thoughts on the uh, NFL on the weekend before we
3: go? Oh, my goodness. They talk about a tough act to follow. Oh. That was – so I was in an Uber last week um, when uh, when Tampa Bay was playing, and my Uber driver hated – Uh, this is in Pittsburgh. He hates Tom Brady. And when, uh, when Tampa recovered that fumble late in the game, my Uber driver, he thought the fix was in, he almost drove us right off the road out of sheer anger. Um, You know, and he's yelling in the, in the Uber, of course that happened. The NFL wants Brady to win. Uh, So he was happy. I'm sure with the, with the end result. Uh, Yeah. I can't wait. It's uh, that was just a, a, an incredible weekend of football and, I don't know that we're going to get that kind of excitement level this weekend, but uh, I got to go with your Chiefs, Hus. I mean, to me, they're, they're the best team left standing. Um, you know, I feel like that game against, that felt like the Super Bowl. And I think the team that won that game, they deserved to go on and kind of win the whole thing. So uh, if if the Bills had won, I would have picked them to to go on and and win it all but they didn't so i'll, I'll go with your chiefs
1: well and, and the nfc game is just fascinating because i mean you've got jimmy garoppolo who has been sort of dragged through these first right. two wins um going up against the rams but what's so interesting about this game well, we're going to talk about this with andy mcnamara a little later on before the end of the program is that the Niners own the Rams right now. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has won six straight over Sean McVay. And the irony of this final NFC Championship matchup, Mike, is that in week 18, the last week of the season, the Rams were up 17-0 on the Niners with two minutes left in the first half. And if the Niners don't come back and win that game, they don't even make the playoffs. So uh, I'm pretty wild to have a divisional matchup with all of that baggage on both of those teams because I'll be honest, neither performance by the Niners or especially the Rams in the second half probably inspired much confidence of their fan base that they're ready for prime time going into a game to get them to the Super Bowl.
3: For sure. And an all California matchup. Uh, I like the team from California, by the way, to come out victorious in that one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's not exactly going out on a limb, but no, I actually, I think it's going to be, uh, I think, I think it's going to be the Rams, uh, and the chiefs. That's my pick for the, uh, for the Super Bowl, And, um, I just hope we get, you know, I just hope we come close to matching the drama, uh, of, of all four games last week, which is uh, just, just incredible theater for sure.
1: Certainly was Mike. Listen, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the game this evening and, uh, Fingers crossed this team can get a big two points and uh, get a little bit of positive momentum going into what's going to be a very difficult game in St. Louis on Saturday afternoon against the Blues, who have been uh, steamrolling as of late. Thanks so much for doing this, Mike.
3: You bet, Huss. Enjoy the rest of the day. There it
1: is, Mike McIntyre. uh, Follow him on Twitter at Mike McIntyre, WPG. And, of course, you can read all of his copy and uh, tonight's game report in the Winnipeg Free Press and on winnipegfreepress.com. All right, we are going to talk a little more NFL. My guy, Andy Mack, he, he's, he's not quite Steve Coolius level energy, but he's pretty damn close. And he's going to join us before the end of the program, and we're going to spend a couple minutes with our, our guy, John Horn, uh, when he joins us in just a couple to uh, get the latest on the Aussie Open and uh, the end of those amazing runs for Felix auger Yassim and Dennis Shapovalov. Um, Well, going into this weekend, we talked about Saturday and Sunday, Jets game, Royal Rumble, and then NFL Championship Sunday. Uh, I can't think of a better setup to enjoy a few ice-cold little brown jug brews then uh, this sports weekend we've got coming up heck why wait till the weekend what about tonight we've got a great double header jets canucks and canada honduras and world cup qualifying great thing right now is you don't even need to leave the house to get the great taste a little brown jug order your 1919s your brood ipas maybe dip into that winter variety pack Over at littlebrownjug.ca with free delivery through till the end of the month of January. And uh, if you are on a boat, though, make a point to pop and buy their amazing headquarters and taproom brewery over on William Avenue where you can pick up all your favorite um, Little Brown Jug brews and maybe have time to squeeze in a pint as well. Little Brown Jug, William Avenue and online at littlebrownjug.ca. I am going to get to some curling odds when we do our cool bet odds at the end. Some very interesting numbers right now for a couple of the Manitoba teams. and some big line movement since everything started. Of course, the Scotties get going this weekend. We've got three Manitoba teams. Mackenzie Zacharias representing Manitoba. Tracy Fleury, the wildcard team. And the defending champions representing Canada, Carrie Anerson of Gimli. Uh, Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of Jen Jones on her way to the Olympics, looking for another gold medal and a huge sponsor of curling in Canada. We're actually working on something fun for one of the Jen Jones matchups. We'll let you know about that going into next week. Uh, But Princess Auto, also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, is at Princess Auto. You can visit them in-store today, one of the two Winnipeg locations. And of course, they're family-owned and national headquarters right here in the Peg. Or get those ideas percolating and shop 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And as I mentioned, this is an amazing night tonight. Uh, If you're not set up with the double TV operation, might I suggest popping by your local Boston pizza, get the Jets game on against the Canucks and Canada taking on Honduras in a massive game as our Canadian men's national team looks to continue their push to be part of the upcoming world cup. They'll be back on Sunday against the Americans at the same time as the AFC championship game. So Plenty of need to maybe hook up with the gang over at Boston Pizza for some ice cold schooners, Boston's Wings, gourmet pizzas, and the big game. And of course, if you're staying home, you can always order online 20, well, not 24-7, but usually until midnight every night over at bostonpizza.com. All right. Andy McNamara still to come in a few minutes. Let's get Michael Remus back in here before we get uh, John Horn on it. Um, some Great stuff with Mike. Um, very interested though to see. I was wondering what was up with his outfit today, as well as the uh, operation, because it seemed like he was actually driving Reem. But um, oh, Mike came through big time with a with a heck of a visit with us on WST. Looks like we're getting John on the horn, if you will. Uh, John Horn joining us now. John, what a week going on at the Aussie Open. Uh, great to check in with you for a couple quick minutes. Uh, unfortunate ends for our Canadians in the quarterfinals, but uh, two epic five-set matches. And um, just, I mean, great performances for what, the 21 and 22-year-old that, you know, are a real big part of this young core of uh, the future of the uh, the men's tour.
4: Yeah, no, great. It was a great. Uh, it was a great uh, stretch for the Canadians. I mean, I thought that they showed very well at the Australian Open. Thought they did a really nice job, um, you know, showing that uh, they can compete with the best, and we've seen it before. And uh, Felix Ojeda seemed going the distance with, you know, the second best player in the world, probably the best player in the tournament. And Daniil Medvedev, uh, I thought he, I thought he, he fared really well. I thought he played his heart out. He was up two sets, uh, had a match point in the four sets but he played really well and and, uh, really showed himself. And it's a player that Medvedev's a tricky player, tough player, big serve, uh, plays at a very fast pace, which I don't think is really Felix's style. Um, likes to take a little bit more time in between points, not Nadal style in terms of slowness, but he likes to go a little bit slower. Medvedev is back up to the line really fast. Um, I, I thought that, uh, you know, he, he showed that it's not going to be long until he wins a Grand Slam. It's uh, semifinals at uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, he's competed hard at the Australian, uh, helped uh, Canada win the ATP Cup with Shabovalov. I mean, I think that, you know, it's, it's anybody who thinks that Felix OJ always seems not going to hoist the grand slam trophy needs to give their head a shake because he's got all the tools. Uh, he's only 21. He's so poised out there. Um, he goes about his business. Doesn't make a lot of fuss. Doesn't make a lot of noise. Um, just hits the ball hard can come to the net. I mean, his volleys uh, in that match against Medvedev were some of them were just outstanding volleys. I mean, he was like 41 for 46 at the net, which is, which is great numbers for any player um and so i really think that you know we've seen just you know it's, I, we've said this multiple times before is that we've seen that oge aliasim is going to win titles and here's another reason why he just keeps taking another step showing that he can compete with the best on tour uh and Denis shabavov i mean i don't think he's that far behind i thought he lost his composure. I didn't like some of the things that he said uh, during the match. I wasn't too keen with some of the stuff he said after the match either. Um, Look, Rafael Nadal, uh, if you know the backstory, he does take a lot of time in between points. That's something that, um, that Shabalov was not happy with. Uh, Does he push the boundaries? Yes. Do the umpires give him a little bit more leniency and how long he should be taking? Uh, Yes. Um, But I still don't think that, you know, you go and call the umpires corrupt and that you start saying that, you know, the dog gets preferential treatment I just don't think it was a good look Especially after you lost the match I think both bottom line is um, You know he came back from two sets To left down uh, He didn't play that great in the fifth set And he just lost to a better player Um you know, he also made some accusations of Nadal not really being that not well and not sick. And then it came out afterwards that he back he dropped nine pounds uh, during the match because he was so dehydrated and wasn't feeling good. So, um, but uh, apart from that, I thought Shablovov again. He had a good tournament. Uh, won a won a hard-fought match in the second round in five sets as well. Uh, showed some things. I thought he served a lot better in that Nadal match. And uh, again, like I think, uh, you know, he's got a new coach, Jamie Delgado, used to coach Andy Murray on board. I think Delgado is going to be a good influence on him uh, in terms of, you know, controlling the points a little bit better, maybe not going for too much on shots, because that's what Shapovalov gets himself into trouble with. Um, so, I mean, I really like what uh, what I saw from both of them. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like Leila Fernandez and what we saw from Bianca Andreescu uh, at the U.S. Open, both of them, is that, you know, I think both both these players, uh, both those two players, too, uh, are going to to show canada proud and um i think we're gonna have some really strong tennis players in the top of the game for a long long time
1: yeah chapo um you know looked rattled and uh, listen uh, you know part of me sympathizes with him because it would be frustrating if you feel that you know a a guy that you know is already one of the all-time greats is getting preferential treatment treatment that you might not get um but what was interesting was the way that he Like I I always when I see Chapo lose it I wonder which way it's going to go and sometimes it can just end up collapsing on him and you just kind of run away and the match is over Mm -hmm. but in this case John I mean I got to give him credit for sort of you know picking himself up despite how frustrated he was and getting back in that match and pushing it all the way to five despite the disappointing end
4: Yeah. I mean, he, he did, he did play well in those two sets. I mean, very easily he could have gone away in that third set and uh, he didn't, he he played well. Um, You know, he started to dictate some of the points, you know, I know Nadal started to, to wear down a little bit, but uh, I, I thought that uh, for the most part, he he did a nice job uh, in a number of aspects of the game. And uh, you know, that's the one thing with Chapo is that, you know, he can go the distance. He can play long matches. He can play five setters, Um, You know, these kids are young, they're fit, they train, um, they play in different weather. I know he'd been training in Florida, he's trained in Dubai before, so getting used to the heat is not a problem. Um, You know, I think that the biggest thing for for Dennis especially is that he's just got to pick and choose a little bit better when he goes for shots and how he stays involved in shots. Sometimes he just goes for a little bit too much. Uh, He makes a lot of uh, unforced errors, and when I say unforced errors, not just backhands down the line that are just, you know, part of a rally I'm talking about you know, he's got easy putaways. I don't know how many times, you know, I watched him during that match, you know, with easy putaways, whether it be overheads or volleys or shots to open courts. And he just tries to put too much on it and uh, goes for the, the super highlight winner, as opposed to just putting the ball in play and winning the point. So um, I think that that's something that he really needs to work on. And I think he will work on uh, with Jamie Delgado. Uh, I think that's going to be a good partnership for him. Uh, You know, I think, I think anytime you change coaches and you get a different philosophy in there and you get a different feel for, for how everything should, uh, how everything, how everything should be, uh, with your game and, you know, changing a few things here and there. Uh, I think that's something that he really needs and maybe he wasn't getting that with Mikhail Usney before. Um, but I think now that, uh, having Delgado on board, somebody who's got a, he's got a track record of producing and helping Grand Slam champions. Uh, I think it'll make a big difference to his game. So I'll be, I'm curious and interested to see how, how it uh, turns out. Um, and how, uh, you know, he he responds to having a new coach and let's uh, see if he can parlay this, uh, you know, Australian Open into a good start to the rest of the year. John
1: Horn with us talking a little Aussie Open after Felix and Dennis were bounced in the quarterfinal. Still an unbelievable run for our Canadian men. Wasn't as great for uh, the Canadian women. But John, let me hit you with this. Uh, as Remus just mentioned in the chat, it's, you know, probably the most exciting time in the history of Canadian tennis with so much young talent. Um, if you were mm-hmm. going to rank... Felix, Dennis, Leila Annie Fernandez and Bianca Andrescu in rankings of who is most likely to win a Grand Slam tournament next. Who, uh, how do you put those one to four?
4: Good question. Uh, I would say, well, I put a poll actually out on Twitter uh, the other day and I've done it before and I figured why not do it again. Uh, Who's going to win a Grand Slam first between Felix and Chapo? So we'll sort of start there. Uh, I think that Felix OJ Aliseem has got the best shot. I think he's got the best all around game. I think he's got the most composure. Um, We've seen him play top players at a very high level. Uh, he's played in eight, eight finals. He hasn't won any of the eight, which is unusual, but he's been in eight finals. Um, I like his serve. Uh, I think he's got a great serve. I think, like I said, the one thing that just astounds me with him is just his composure on the court, how well uh, he plays under pressure, uh, how good and composed he looks on the court in, in tough points against big players. Uh, I think Chapo can do the same, but he sometimes, like I said, he sometimes goes for a little bit too much, and that worries me a little bit. Um, but in terms of in terms of who would win a slam first out of the four of them, I think I would have to say that Felix would be my bet as the first. Uh, I would put probably Chapo second, Layla third, and Bianca fourth, and the only reason I say that is because uh, I still think, you know, as much as the U.S. Open was a great run for Layla Annie Fernandez, I still think she needs to do a lot with her game to compete against the best players in the world on a consistent basis, not, you know, one tournament. I mean, we saw what Emma Raducanu did, you know, it was only her fourth or fifth tournament ever. Uh, maybe even her third, I, I don't recall, but, um, you know, one of her first career tournaments that she ever played, and she goes through qualifying and through seven matches, wins ten matches in the week, and wins the title. Um, you know, unheard of, and, and it was like Layla Fernandez, she hadn't really gone that deep into a Grand Slam at all, um, and then she goes and plays some of the best players in the world, like Osaka and Bencic and beats them, um, and, uh, and and then she gets to a final, but you know, she hasn't had the results since then, so uh, I think it's a little bit more development from her and the only reason i put bianca fourth is because we don't really know um you know where she is i mean she's she's dropping down the rankings. she's outside the top 40 now so she's gonna have to battle her way back to the top of the rankings and uh she's gonna have to play some really strong players early in tournaments now as opposed to getting you know less weaker opponents uh and getting some buys in the first couple of rounds now she's gonna have to play top players earlier on because she's outside of the top 40 um and we don't know how she's going to recover from you know her latest setback, so she hasn't played this year. She chose not to play Australia, so nobody really knows why. Um, but uh, she decided not to, so I think there's a big question mark beside her now as to can she get back to the top. Uh, how quickly can she get back to the top and win another Slam? So uh, I think it's I think that's the reason, the rationale for the order, just based on you know how well they've played recently and what I see from them uh, moving forward with you know with their with their uh, with their style of games.
1: John Horn's with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports Horn. John, we just got a minute left, but on the way out, um, we were all talking about the possibility of Novak Djokovic winning Grand Slam number 21. He's not here, but will we be talking about number 21 for Nadal on Monday?
4: If I were to put money on it right now, uh, I will say I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because I think uh, Nadal really um, was put to the test with Shapovalov. Um, it was a really hot day, mind you. Uh, Nadal has played lots of lots of long matches before, so I don't think um, you know. It's it, I just don't see it in the cards. He's got to play Berrettini next. Bertini's a good player. Um, you know, I think he might be able to win that match, but I just don't think that he can. I just don't think that he can beat uh, Medvedev. I, I think Medvedev is the favorite. is the guy that I see is who is the guy who's going to win the title. Um, I just think that uh, he's he's just too good of a player. Nadal, has the experience. Um, he's a great shot maker. He's obviously a great player. Um, but I saw there was a couple things that I saw in the match against Shapovalov. Um, where I just thought that he sort of showed his age a little bit. And uh, he can still hit the ball hard. He's still a very smart player. Uh, he knows how to maintain his body. And, you know, some good points that were made during the match where they talked about how Nadal didn't actually, you know, when he was up 5-2 or he was up 5-3, he didn't really even try that hard on the Shapovala service game because he knows how, hey, I don't need to win that game. I need to hold serve. So I'm going to conserve some energy. So he's very smart in that way. Um, so I think that the toughest part is going to be um, how, he, how he can play Medvedev in the final. I think that's going to be the toughest thing for him because Medvedev just hits the ball a ton. He's a smart player. He likes to play really fast, as I mentioned earlier. That is not what Nadal likes at all. So I think it's going to be really tough. And, uh, you know I'd like to see it happen I think it'd be great it'd be great for the tournament I mean this tournament in the Australian Open there's been some great storylines there's been some really cool stuff Danielle Collins getting to the final in the women's side Curios getting to the doubles final as a wild card is a cool story there's been some others too so I like the way that the tournament has come back uh, and we knew it was going to do this but um, there's been some good storylines which has kind of made made us we're never going to forget it but we've we've sort of forgotten about the Djokovic fiasco two weeks after it really got going and 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 I'm glad that it's been more about the tennis and the tournament has been a success and lots of good storylines other than just talking about uh, (laughs) Djokovic-Gate.
1: Yeah, well, trust me, there'll be plenty of time to talk about the Joker as we get into the rest of the season. John, thanks so much for doing this. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. It should be phenomenal. And uh, thanks as always for joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk.
4: Hey, no problem, man. Sorry I was a little late today, and I hope you're handling the weather out there as well as uh, we are in Toronto now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. We're always ready for you, John. Thanks so much. There it is. As I said, give him a follow on Twitter at Sports Horn. Um, Tennis analyst John Horn joining us, our go to guy for the uh, yellow fuzzy balls here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, we're going to talk a little NFL with uh, Mr. Energy himself, Andy McNamara. Although it's impossible to get a gold medal for energy. On Winnipeg Sports Talk this week after coolie as hell, and Jerry Rice yesterday brought it as well. Uh, before we do that, um, you know, we mentioned tonight, big sports night, might want to be staying at home. How about some DQ? Those amazing new Buffalo Chicken Fingers. Maybe you grab some Ultimate Grill Burgers for the fam, get some fries in there, maybe some DQ novelties. And certainly, if you're planning some sort of an event, a little party, maybe you got a birthday, make it better with one of those famous DQ cakes. From the nick and nicky dq group you can order your cake online at dq manitoba on instagram they'll get a custom made for you and ready for pickup at any of the four nick and nicky dqs which of course are the dq in northgate dq niverville just south of the city in neverville manitoba the dq at Pola park and the dq on saint anne's and of course the saint anne's for all you folks in saint vital You can order online, skip the dishes, and Uber Eats if you want the great taste from the St. Anne's DQ from our friends Nick and Nikki. And, of course, tomorrow is Friday, and you know what that means, marble race time on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, it's been so much fun teaming up with our great sponsor, Canadian Club, the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk, for some great co-branded hoodies Now, Eric the Viking won last week. We've got Eric's on order. We should probably have them in a couple weeks, uh, but we'll certainly be giving out another one tomorrow. So make sure you're with us tomorrow towards the uh, last half hour of the program live on YouTube for another world famous marble race. And, you know, whether it's tonight or on the weekend and you're looking for the good stuff, you can get the great taste of Canadian Club whiskey at your local Manitoba liquor mart. And uh, while you're there, check out the Jim Beam display and see if there's any more of those. Winnipeg Blue Bomber 2021 commemorative cups for the Grey Cup champions. All right, we will get to cool bet lines at the end of the program. Uh, but I got a chance to uh, wrap with my guy, Andy McNamara, just before we went on. Want to get his take on uh, all the big news in the National Football League today. And of course, a bit of a look ahead to championship weekend this Sunday. Uh, here's my guy, Andy Mack. Andy Mack joins us
5: now. What's going on, my friend? Oh, hustler, feeling good, man. I, I listen. I wanted to check in on you after that Chiefs Bills guy. I wanted to give you a little time because I thought he's on cloud nine. I was just hoping your heart wasn't exploding after last weekend,
1: dude. I I, have, I still, to be honest, haven't really completely come down from the high uh, of of Sunday night. <laughs> um, I mean, I've watched it half a dozen times again. Uh, I've been talking about it nonstop with friends outside of when we're. Discussing the plight of our hockey team here in Winnipeg right now, right. it really was incredible. I mean, well, listen, you got no skin in the game. You're a Browns guy. How did you see it? I mean, best weekend, I think we all agree. But I mean, that
5: Bills Chiefs game, that finish. Where does that rank? I, and I try always to think of okay, I just saw you know the recency bias and all like I just saw it, so obviously that's going to jump to mind. I started thinking, I'm like, okay, when you talk about a finish, a fourth quarter, and then which spilled into overtime, of course. Has there been a more exciting, unpredictable finish? And I think the answer is no. Like, I truly think we witnessed the greatest wrestling or wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) The great, the greatest football finish that we've ever seen. Like it was like, you had it where it was. All right. Anytime the guy touched the ball and it's like, Oh, who has it in their hands last is going to win. But. It really was that. And 13 seconds was like, yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to tie this up. I think, oh, I think Josh Allen's going to come back. Like, it was unbelievable. The, um, by the way, we were talking wrestling before this started. So Andy gets <laughs> a pass on the, Fer- on the Freudian
1: slip. <laughs> Big night on AEW yeah. last night. Um, okay. You know, you're exactly right. Uh, and, I mean, the legend of Mahomes continues to grow. But, listen, you're in Bill's country. And I know you probably have a lot of close friends that are part of yeah. the mafia. Uh, what's it been like around them? Because, I mean, listen, you can't, I mean, all you can do is be stunned that you didn't get the W because it wasn't much more. Certainly on Josh Allen's side, I imagine they might be uh, a little
5: iffy about Leslie Frazier in the 13-second defense. Mm. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If you're a Bills fan, and I've had like, poor Bill, Bills friends, if I had one guy was like, hey, dude, checking in. He's like, Andy, that was the worst moment of my life. I'm like, settle down. It's not. But he was like so beside himself. He's like, this is worse than the Super Bowl. Than He's like, this was terrible because it was there. And if you think about it from a Bills fan, though, what what do you just want out of your sports? And really, even in, in your life, if you do every single thing possible, you work as hard, you know, in your heart of hearts, you could not have done anything more. And it still doesn't work. You can be at peace with that. That's my message to Bills fans. Look, you had the number one defense. You had the, a quarterback that was unreal. You had one of those incredibly special playoff moments where someone's got to step up. Gabriel Davis, four touchdowns, and you still lost. What else can you do? I'm like, look, you take, you're a part of history. It sucks. You play that game 10 more times, you might win nine of them. That's all you can do. You come back next year, you still got a young, good core. Nothing else you can do about it. You know what, we
1: had uh, Jerry Rice on the program yesterday, which is a real thrill. One of the first things he said was like, "How are you kicking it into the end zone?" And that's been the one that's refrain throughout. Yeah. I yeah. mean, every second for Mahomes with three timeouts was um so valuable, and they gave him a few extra ones, and we know how it ended up. What do you make of this game? I mean, uh, Bengals did do a number on the Chiefs defense a couple of weeks ago in the regular season. Um man they put up one touchdown last week it was all Evan McPherson the kicking phenom that got them to the AFC championship game Um, how do you see the AFC championship game stacking up
5: well I'm glad it at least is this matchup I did not want to see the Titans go any further from an entertainment standpoint they're super boring like I think they're well coached overall except you know real football respect but entertainment wise man we have Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor, who all he wants to do is throw the ball. That's all he wants to do. Versus Patrick Mahomes, who we we know what he can do and how dynamic that offense can be. Now, I hope what happens is we see a similar pattern to what we saw with Buffalo. You have Jamar Chase, you have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow himself. Like this does all the makings of another. Absolutely wild shooter. I hope we see, I think the over-under, what's the over-under at? 54, something like that, 54 and a half, something something along those lines. I hope we see like 40-plus from each team. Like, let's air it out. I feel the Chiefs are still going to win it because the defense is better, and that offensive line, like, Huss, I don't know about you, but you're Cincinnati, you got your franchise quarterback off of- You got
1: sacked nine times!
5: Nine! Reconstructive surgery, and you're letting that dude get- get sacked nine times, that's on the head coach, Zach Taylor. You got to design some plays to get that ball out of his hand because otherwise Joe Burrow's going to be back on the surgery table. And that would be awful to see just from how good uh, he has been. And, you know, the more young, fun quarterbacks in the league, the better. Well, my big takeaway from that early game last week was if you're Tennessee, you're like, how the hell do you lose a game
1: where you sack the opposing quarterback nine times? I mean, it's the... Uh, That long off season for the Titans after getting that number one seed over on the NFC. uh, We've got the Niners and we've got the Rams. The Niners own the Rams six straight wins. I mean, they had to pull one out and come back from 17 down in week, 18, just to make the playoffs. And yet here we are. Uh, Listen, their offenses look very pedestrian, but they've been winning with defense and special teams. And it's all about winning the Rams. On the other hand, Andy go into this against their nemesis coming off The least convincing win in a divisional championship game I can ever remember. I mean, they literally did everything they could to hand that win over to Tom Brady, who had no business being in the football game. And uh, obviously it ended up being a three-game game. game. I mean, what do you make of the Rams going into this after what we saw in the second half? And the second half of Week 18, when they could have eliminated the Niners.
5: Yeah, they, they could have taken care of business. And really, when you look at before that, a three, four-week stretch where Matt Stafford started to look like he was back in Michigan, right? He's throwing interceptions. You go, where the first bunch of this season. Wow. You know, the sun, he was looking good in the sun. He was relaxed. And then all of a sudden, we start to see these habits. They backed into the playoff. They didn't win the division. They did, just didn't lose it as much as Arizona did. And then, yeah, you let that game come back against Tom Brady. But like you said, it's all about winning. So no matter how they got about it, they defeated the defending Super Bowl champs. So, bravo, you did it. Um, The 49ers are fascinating. And both head coaches, obviously, you know, younger, innovative. I just give, I'm starting to give Kyle Shanahan a little bit of that sort of Belichick magic dust as far as like, you just sort of believe he's going to figure something out. Is it Debo? Is it the defense? Is it something weird? Because you look at the stats of Jimmy Garoppolo, you're like, this guy's average at best. But look at the win-loss record. Somehow, some way they pull it out.
1: Well, uh, you know, Debo Samuel, you mentioned Debo, he has been just an absolute revelation. I know when you're doing your fantasy shows heading into next season, there'll be a lot of talk about Debo in the first round. I love him. Um, I'm just fascinated. You you would know that the Rams are so due to finally get this win. And it looked like it was happening to finally be done with the Niners in week eighteen. And yet here we are. But as far as an opportunity, I mean, this team has a home game in the NFC Championship. Um, that I don't think anybody saw coming. And if they win that, a home game
5: in the Super Bowl. Boy, that's it. Yeah, they can do it and stay put and go to the Super Bowl in their home stadium. I just feel that the 49ers are going to find a way to pull this out. And and again, if I'm looking at strictly entertainment, no skin in the game, entertainment-wise, I'd like the Rams to win because I think it would be a much more interesting game against likely the Chiefs, but even if it's the Bengals from an offensive side, to sling it. You get the 49ers, you could be in one of those, you know, what, 13, 10 situations if they really kind of knuckle down. So I, I, I'd like the Rams to win from entertainment, but I just feel like the 49ers, as you said, they have their number, but it also seems like the mistakes, like if, if Stafford in that offense was just roll, bulldozing and they stomped on Brady last week and they win in the last month of the year, and you're, you're not touching it, it's done. But they just, don't seem to have that killer instinct. They have to have a little bit of luck, and if you have that little bit of luck, then good coaching can overcome that. And I think that edge goes to Kyle Shanahan.
1: Andy McNamara is with us. Uh, Andy, some other big news. We'll get to the coaches in a minute, but uh, no more Big Ben in the AFC North. You're in the Browns. We move on. What is it, Mason Rudolph time now in Pittsburgh? Oh, please.
5: <laughs> please get the get the sweaty fat face of Ben Roethlisberger out of my life. Hust out. <laughs> He said, listen, I'm bitter because the Browns, of course, well-documented, could have taken him in the 2004 draft. They didn't. And then he punished them for 18 years. Guy had a Hall of Fame career. Yeah. Incredible journey. Good on him. Um, Huss, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you that. I can't show you with my hands <laughs> what I did. But on the last game when the, uh, the Steelers got eliminated, the whistle hit zero. And I was by myself in my house. Wife, wife and kids were in bed. I just looked at the TV, I had a little bit of bourbon, I took a sip, I put it down, I shot up the double, two middle fingers, and I said, <laughs> bleep you, Ben Roethlisberger, and I went back, and I didn't even know I was doing it, I was just like, <laughs> I know why you're it doing it, because you're insane, <laughs> that's why, it was just it was just, a, just a, an emotional release, like, bleep you, Ben Roethlisberger, I hope that, you know, I, I would like that as my ringtone, put that on my tombstone. Yeah, what People. if Aaron Rodgers
1: ends up in uh, Pittsburgh next year? Stop, please, no. <laughs> oh. Well, let's talk about Rodgers a for week. a minute. First of all, the very disappointing end to their season. Uh, yeah. But his future, and of course, Nathaniel Hackett, their OC, being hired as the Broncos head coach. Uh, and there have been a lot of speculation that if Aaron Rodgers was moving on, Denver would be the place. Uh, what's your take on the whole Rodgers situation?
5: Here's If I'm Aaron Rodgers, that's what I'm thinking. And obviously, we cannot predict what Aaron Rodgers is thinking. We yeah. learned that from the last year or so. Uh, but if it's me, I'm thinking, okay, I got what? A year left? Maybe two. And do I want to spend that in the AFC West where I'm going to have to battle Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert head-to-head, whereas the division I'm in, you know I'm going to win. Um, in this one, I'm going to be battling for prob- possibly a wild-card spot in a dogfight that division makes zero sense to me so if i'm aaron Rodgers, i'm looking at something either stay agree bay one more time or or just a different situation and really he could have his pick of suitors there's so many there's what eight nine teams that could use a quarterback upgrade so he could have his pick i just don't know why he would want to go to denver and put himself in the most difficult division to be successful in at this stage in his career from a Chiefs perspective, bring it on. Would bring love it. to
1: hand him a couple L's a season, yes. one at mile high and one in Arrowhead. Um, yes. As far as coaching goes, though, there was an interesting move today. Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Elmelflis, is the new head coach in Chicago. And what's interesting about this, Andy, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know much about him, but just the fact that he's a defensive coach and a defensive coordinator, I kind of thought they might go for an offensive mind mm-hmm. that will be there for, you know, an extended period of time to nurture and turn Justin Fields into the guy that they drafted. Because, I mean, here's the thing. You get a defensive head coach and things can go really well and your OC does a great job with Justin Fields. Well, guess what? Next year or the year after, when we're doing this whole song and dance, they're probably getting hired elsewhere. Right? And then you've got another OC for your young quarterback.
5: Yeah, it all comes down to the OC. You're right. It's you want somebody in who's going to grow Justin Fields. Matt Nagy, of course, imploded, and. It's now a case of, all right, well, who, who is the offensive mind going to be to help him? What is the plan? Does this new head coach believe in Justin Fields? Let's think about that as well. You know, quarterback, quarterback turnover gets a lot quicker even if you spent high draft capital. You're going to keep going. Do they believe in Justin Fields? Um, we're going to find that out. I think Justin Fields can be a heck of a quarterback. I think he has all the talent. He's just raw. And you got to be able to develop him, bring him along smartly. Similar to... If I'm any other team with a young quarterback, house, what I do is I follow what Brian Dable did in Buffalo with Josh Allen from day one. They m- were magnificent in bringing him along bit by bit because Allen in that 2018 draft class was the absolute Ross, the highest ceiling, but the biggest bust potential by far with how limited time he played in his Ross skill set. And they brought him along gradually, and now we see the results. You need somebody with that same mindset to come in and do that with Justin Fields.
1: Yeah, Josh Allen is part of the a long lineage of superstar first-round quarterbacks from the University of Wyoming. Um, Andy Mack with us. Um, Tom Brady, Gronk. Have we
5: seen the last of them? No way. No way. He's, not buying he's it. looking, he's looking. My wife doesn't like... Ca- Tom, come on. Come on, man. You, You and I both know... His butt is getting back there and he's doing it one more time. He led the NFL in passing touchdowns. He led the NFL in passing yards. This guy is not going out like this. I truly believe Tom Brady is going to go the route of, let's say, a Michael Jordan and so many other greats. How it is so rare for one of the all-timers to leave at the top. Old Football Hall of Fame. You go see it. You'll see almost to a man outside of a Jim Brown or, or a couple others, Barry Sanders, where you see their career. Wow, I remember Emmett Smith. Then, uh, Cowboys, Cardinals. Ooh, that was the one that made him know he had to hang it up. the, 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 the other team, Humber is going to have to have a bad year. And I, I, I just don't see him hanging it up. I would be absolutely floored if he doesn't come back. And I think, too, you don't hear too much buzz in Tampa Bay about other quarterback options. I think they know, too.
1: Hey, uh, one more for you. Uh, what did you think of Sean Payton stepping down and uh, retiring as head coach of the Saints? Yeah, one-year TV deal back somewhere else next year. Yeah, let's, In let's Dallas? call for what it is. How <laughs> Mike McCarthy uh, still has a job. And Dan Quinn decided shocking. that he was going to stay and not take one of these other head coaching jobs I today.
5: I know. If if I was Jerry Jones, I'd be like, Dan or uh, Kellen Moore, who's done a great job as an OC, either one, hey, you guys want to be a head coach? Get McCarthy out. Now, he got paid a lot of money, so maybe Jerry's penny-pinching a little bit. I don't know. But there was almost a... Mutiny, remember like three weeks into the season in his first year last year? And they overcame it. He's he's done. He, M- McCarthy's done, and you're wasting time. So for Quinn to come back, that's good for the Cowboys overall, but you lose a top guy. You could have slid him into Dallas. That guy's been to a Super Bowl. He's led a successful program. And I t- listen, for how long he was head coach in Atlanta, I thought overall he did a, a good job. You could have stepped him right in. So, yeah, that's, that's really weird. Sean Payton going down and Brian Flores being uh, fired. This is a few weeks ago now. Wow. That one's ridiculous. Brian Flores should be hired, should have been hired immediately. Um, and and that would be the be top be standard to me. He'll be back this
1: year. I mean, I think he's sort he's of, you know, figuring out. I mean, there's so many opportunities right now, yeah. but you're right. And it sounded like there was a lot of internal issues uh, yeah. between Until, the coach and members of, uh, of management that led him to... Uh, being on the uh, unemployment line although that being said not for long andy thanks so much Matt. enjoy championship weekend and uh we'll hook up in the next couple weeks before the big game
5: all right well huss good luck to your chiefs let's just hope it's a shootout like 45 40 kansas city let's
1: 45 37 so at least the chiefs cover we'll take that <laughs> <laughs> i andy, love them yes <laughs> All right. Always a good time chatting with Andy McNamara. Can't wait for the NFL games on the weekend. And uh, we'll uh, do a, a final preview with the legendary Lee Hacksaw Hamilton tomorrow on the program. All right. We will get to some cool bet lines before we wrap up. But, Remo, get back in here uh, because some crazy news in the Canadian Football League yesterday once we finished the program. Of course, everyone was talking about uh, Mike Riley's retirement. Um, and then out of the blue – the Edmonton Elks sign former CFL All-Star receivers, Manny Arsenault and Adarius Bowman. Um, neither have played in the league for the last couple of years. Adarius is 36 years old. Manny Arsenault is 34. And um, that is a bit, I mean, listen, those guys were incredible players when they were in the league. We all remember Darius coming back to Winnipeg with a lot of fanfare and just not panning out, ending up the season in Montreal. And I think we all thought that that was it. But
2: um, a couple CFL legends trying to make it back into the Canadian Football League. Yeah, I remember uh, Darius Bowman uh, on Edmonton. Uh, I, I played him a lot in uh, CFL Fantasy. That's how I know everyone in the league now. But uh, and Manny Arsenault, last seen uh, on this program in his car, uh, having a poor connection and we had to cut it short. But uh, I guess they are working right. out, trying to get back. Um, I don't know. I guess we're trying to think of any other CFL legends. Well, that, everyone uh, was saying,
1: when's the, con- when's the contract for Gizmo coming out? Like, yeah. uh, Gizmo's still in great shape. But with all that talk, by the way, Brandon Banks leaving the Ticats after eight years there, that was sort of the big news today. But there's no bigger news. than And I know people in chat wondering, where's the Daily Bomber signing? Feast your eyes on this little piece of social media gold from uh, we had the goat of the NFL yesterday. How about the goat of the CFL throwing out, maybe getting back into the game. Check this out.
6: All right. Just got finished working out. I'm always working out. But I turned it up even more today, baby. You ask why? It's time. It's time to make that comeback. See these old heads and I call them old heads. Relatively speaking, they are old compared to the age of most CFL players. And I'm old enough to be these old heads' father. But I'm coming back. It's time. It is time. Of course, my first choice, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, without a doubt. I understand they got some top-notch free agents they're trying to sign, and, and Lawler and Bailey, so Mike O'Shea and, and, and Wade and Kyle, if you sign, if you can't sign them, and even if you can sign them back, come get me, baby. Come get me. I can help you out. If you don't have room, you don't have money, I understand. Paul, I know what Paul I'm talking about. You know you need me over there and all the other teams. Come get me. It's time for the old heads to make a return. So G-Roy and Davis Sanchez. Hold on, maybe not Davis. Davis hasn't been working out Yeah, He used to be a world-class athlete. Not anymore, so not Davis. G-Roy, let's do this. You could be the first assistant GM slash player in professional football history. So it's time to make that return. Give me a call. I'm ready, baby.
1: <laughs> All right, let's do this. Let's, let's make this happen. As you tweeted out just a few minutes ago, Reem, it's time to get Milt Stiegel a ring. And the best place to do that in the Canadian football right. is
2: right here where he became the greatest to ever do it. I mean, we're hearing Kenny Lawler make or to the NFL. I mean, they haven't signed a lot of their receivers. Milt Steagle we saw him in the bar down video at the Grey Cup where he went up against Luca running routes. And Milt looks good, man. He's in shape. He's been on this show. Uh, we need Milt. Uh, sign here. Get him the Grey Cup ring. We had Jerry Rice yesterday. Remember Jerry Rice at the end of his career in Seattle? Uh, it would be like that. Milt coming back. We're in, we're in the Bombers. I'm in. I'm in for it. Put him in training camp. Let's see.
1: Earl James, damn right, Milt wants the smoke. Uh, goat Milt, this is yeah. amazing. This must happen. Love him back. <laughs> Already on the phone, Milt. Yeah. Uh, some great feedback from Bomber fans. That, that's the only way it could be better of the team winning a third grade Cup is that if
2: somehow, some way, Milt decided to come out of retirement and got one. He's fifty two years old. I looked it up, but I mean, he plays still like a, at least you know the oldest of forty year old i think mean, i think you can still bring it I'm, i want to see uh milt get signed here come in training camp let's go <laughs> have him hey, shoot up against those guys I, i'm so in
1: i'm so in on this we maybe have to reach out to milt and uh, get his get his comments on that we'll try and really start stirring it up here on wst to get him back because I tell you what he's certainly in shape to do it i mean the guy is an absolute machine Uh, All right, listen, before we go, let's get to the cool bet lines for tonight. Uh, Started off with Canada Honduras in the World Cup CONCACAF qualification. It was interesting. This one last night was at minus 102 for a Canada win. It's now up to plus 105. A draw plus 240 and Honduras plus 275. Huge game for Canada. They need the three points. They're a big favorite, but they got to get it done without Alfonso Davies. Over to the National Hockey League this evening um let's see what the jets number is jets minus 169 against the vancouver canucks been a while since the jets have been a significant favorite well frankly a couple weeks ago against the detroit red wings so it's time to get a win um certainly the bookies expect the jets to win minus 169 on tonight's game other games that you can play into your nightly parlay busy night in the nhl rangers blue jackets Vegas in Florida, Florida, big minus 161 favorite Ducks at Habs, Kings Islanders, Carolina, massive minus 244 favorite against the Ottawa Senators. Pittsburgh, land a big number minus 333 at home against the Kraken. Similarly, the Lightning, a big favorite against the New Jersey Devils and uh, the Calgary coming off that massacre last night in Columbus. Going into St. Louis to take on the Blues. That'll be a great game tonight. Calgary plus 120 on the road and St. Louis minus 141. Uh, If you go over to Cool Bet, you wrestling wonks like me can get your action in on the Royal Rumble. Um, And some interesting Scotty's Tournament of Hearts numbers as well. Um, The futures right now, uh, very interesting for the Flurry number. Um, Wildcard 1, which is Tracy Flurry, um, I'm not sure what's happened behind the scenes, but their number both to win and top three has ballooned. Um, I'm loving that plus 171 on the Flurry team to be uh the uh to be top three. Although I'm not exactly sure. Maybe we're missing something because there's been a big line movement and uh I mean Tracy Fleury's team has been the best all year, minus that final rock against Jennifer Jones at the Olympic trials. So I think some pretty good value on there. The event starts tomorrow. So if you want to get your Scotty's bets in. Do that before 6 p.m. tomorrow night. And just quickly, update on the NFL lines. Nothing changed. Chiefs still seven-point favorites against the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Rams still three-and-a-half-point favorites against the San Francisco 49ers. And the Chiefs plus 125 to win the Super Bowl. Rams two-to-one. Niners plus 450. And the Cincinnati Bengals plus 900. Great show today, folks thanks to Mike McIntyre and Mike Kelly for stopping by John Horn and Andy McNamara of course michael Remus getting through uh, getting through the day getting us on the air. And to all of our sponsors, including, it's great to see Nick in the chat, uh, the Nick and Nikki DQ group, Canadian Club Whiskey. Don't forget, Big Marble Race tomorrow, Coolbet Canada. Vita Health tomorrow, was mentioning uh, Customer Appreciation Day, 10% off everything, just about everything at all seven Vita Health. Great day to go in there if you haven't done it before. Uh, F Apparel, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, our good friends over at Nod Auto Corp. Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, and Little Brown Jug might be a couple 1919s on the menu tonight for another great sports evening. Tomorrow, Weeb's World will join us. We'll have Lee Hacksaw Hamilton jump on the program. We'll have all of the fallout of tonight's game against the Vancouver Canucks and look ahead to the Jets in St. Louis on Saturday. And of course, NFL Championship Weekend. Folks, Kenny and Rennie are on right now. If you're with us on YouTube, pop over there. Tell them that we sent you. Say hi to Leah Hextall for me, but not to Kenny and Rennie. I'm just kidding, of course. You can say hi to them as well. And uh, enjoy the game tonight. Well, both of the games. Go Canada, go. And uh, let's hope we're talking about a Jets win tomorrow. Huge game tonight against the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, best of luck from everyone in the chat to Johnny Kovacevic making his NHL debut tonight on the Jet Blue Line. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.
6: Oh, my God!